Hey everyone, it's Jacob on behalf of everyone here at That Time We Woke Up in a Podcast and Had to Explain Manga, our heated adventures over analyzing manga we find interesting, otherwise known as the Overmanga Cast. This week we revisited Demon Slayer, Kimetsu no Yaiba, we read chapters 70 through 99, the Entertainment District arc, and it was most certainly entertaining, in the conventional sense. Context is important, folks. Enjoy the show! Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Overmanga Cast. My name is Sam, and as always at the top of the show, we're talking about our familiarity with the series. Um, this is another uh, look back at Kimetsu no Yaiba, Demon Slayer, and uh, I actually have a bit of uh, extra exposure since last time rewatched some of the anime for the for the vibe for the fun of it and noticing a few things and also uh catching some clips of the stuff that we read for this time from the currently airing anime uh the op is a banger again but that uh, is really about it other than that you could just go back through all of our uh, previous demon slayer episodes which you should totally do and know the extent of my knowledge matt how about you uh yeah i have not uh really done anything with uh, demon slayer since we read the mugen train arc so this was uh entirely fresh read for me mm-hmm. and jay so um i have also um veered back toward watching the anime just for nostalgia's sake and i have to agree the op is a banger and unfortunately, or fortunately, I did um, kind of read a little bit into our reading today with the anime, and it is very good. Eimer <laughs> hits it out of the park once again. They call her Eimer uh, because she does not miss. And uh, Jacob? I, I haven't experienced that much more Demon Slayer either. The fun bit was it took me a little bit longer to get going with the reading uh, that we did. So by the time that I actually, like, started in earnest the op had already been shown to me by a uh, a friend so i literally had that playing on loop while i was reading and um it is really good background reading music <laughs> for that <laughs> like the 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 piano and the sort of like chill tone of it like like it it has energy to it but it has a bit of a chill tone made it perfect reading music <laughs> yeah the, the yeah the piano right into the anime noises and <laughs> Uh, but that is the anime. Getting into the manga, uh, we pick up uh, after a brief time skip where our boys left off, having uh, gone through the whole Mugen Train thing. It's been uh, about four months of them recovering, training, and doing solo yeah, missions. Sam, I think you and me have different definitions of what a brief time skip is. It's been four months. Well, you remember that the training with Orokodaki chapter to chapter was a year, so... There are also a lot of series that will time skip several years. As a Dragon Ball fan stroke child of the 90s, four months is... Four months is medium. Oh man, if they, if they had time skipped uh, 10 years to when Tanjiro's <laughs> youngest son was now going with him to the entertainment district, this would be a much different chapter. This would be a totally different <laughs> reading. <laughs> <laughs> Tanjiro is uh, returning from a solo mission. Uh, apparently, the Demon Slayer Corps have stopped yeeting him at only Kisaki, so he's uh, fairly easily handling these uh, lesser demons off screen. Yeah, there there is and a really interesting shift here. I will say one thing that I couldn't help but notice in 
the first couple of chapters, I felt that they did the exaggerated like comedy faces a little bit too much to the point where there was like two straight chapters where Tanjiro was never on model. Yeah, drawing off model for a comedy beat is totally fine. Something Demon Slayer is quite frankly normally good at. It felt like there were a couple of chapters where it was phoned in and it didn't give the best first impression of the reading section. But I also couldn't help but notice the fact that we saw Tanjiro's first two missions and the very first mission that we saw him on, he was fighting a completely regular demon and it was a whole thing. Mm -hmm. There really is a very nice sense of progression that they are in a different stage being members of the Demon Slayer Corps because even Zenitsu is going off and doing solo missions and he's not even <laughs> about it. Like he's he's just <laughs> doing his job, which is great character development for him. I was really proud of him for that. Well, you see, Jacob, over the time skip, they ranked up two ranks in the secret demon core ranking. Why you may not know this is you need to chant a secret passphrase so that the logo on the back of their hand that has always been there will and then flex. Will, will then activate because wisteria magic. Do we want to explain <laughs> how that works? Nope. Do we want to go at, into that at all? Nope. Are we going to acknowledge that Tanjiro, Inosuke, and Zenitsu are only two ranks from the bottom of this seven rank system? That I couldn't help but notice doesn't have the Hashira on it. It's their exalted cast, Mark. We don't need to explain anymore. Yeah, they're four up from the bottom. Yeah, like I, I don't get why we do so many tiers, though, because we only ever interact with um, bottom rung like black coat mooks essentially uh main character boys and hashira those are the three levels of power we interact with but apparently we need a ranking system that goes up to like nine it's also a ranking system that doesn't see a lot of play in the actual manga like there's the panels where in case like wait you didn't know about that and then it's forgotten about <laughs> And it had never been established before that point. It's very much like the colored Nichiren swords. The fact that the swords have special colors to them doesn't actually matter. It's a fun bit of world building if that's your jam. Like, it's one of those ones where it's like, yeah. oh, that's neat. I'll, I'll file that away mentally if I ever want to, like, play with a, the idea of a Demon Slayer fan fiction or something. I'm but gonna... it doesn't actually matter for the plot. <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to read charitably uh, and say that Gota Uge-sensei has explanations, but they don't matter for Tanjiro's story. I I didn't actually go back and look, but there was something about, uh, hey, you know when they tickled your hand at the selection? I don't remember that happening, but I don't remember the selection that well, so <laughs> I'll, I'll take your word for it. I don't think that happened, but cool. <laughs> anyway. Uh, I guess Butterfly Mansion has just become their HQ at this point because that's where Tanjiro is returning to. Actually, yeah, that that is another good like uh, world building fridge logic moment. Tanjiro is homeless. He he had just been wandering and you know staying with various master he's masters he's training with. Most demon slayers, in all fairness, I think um, Rengoku was an exception that his family was prestigious and. I don't imagine you join the Demon Slayer Corps because you got a lot going on. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's a good point. So um, Tanjiro is returning to HQ at Butterfly Mansion and there's some chaos going on because uh, the sound Hashira, Tengen Uzui, has appeared and is uh, making off with some of the girls. He's picked yeah. them up and he's heading out. He's yeah, just so. got them slung over his shoulder and is walking away with them. <laughs> In retrospect, looking back at the scene, it makes me question because 
we were just um, discussing the ranking system that they have, correct? In this scene, it is revealed that he just goes in and grabs, you know, two people he assumes are affiliated with the, um, with the core. Demon, with the core. So not knowing, you know, if they're officially affiliated, if they're demon slayers, what their rank would be, he just goes in and grabs some girls, which already on his own, we can already talk about how creepy and weird this is. Right. Um, <laughs> the thing I couldn't help but notice, that is a scene that makes you instantaneously loathe this guy. But it's amazing that that's really the only like bad thing he ends up doing that isn't like a comedy beat. And they like like the the audience opinion for at least me turned around on him pretty quickly because he starts off seeming like he is going to be like a secondary antagonist more than a help. Mm -hmm. Yes, but when, what I'm trying to say is, so we know this ranking system exists, and we know this ranking... The audience didn't know the ranking system existed yet, because it's not but, until halfway through it even gets mentioned. We, we know but, this alleged rating system potentially exists. <laughs> the only source we have is a Nosuke, who I think also might just casually lie about things. But... <laughs> As Jay was what I was saying was the fact is at any point, the secret code word could have been uttered and we could have seen whether or not they were in fact demon core or what their ranking would be, whether they'd be qualified for this mission at all. To be fair, the other thing that gets mentioned is they do say they're not even in the Demon Slayer core. They're just Butterfly Mansion employees. And he's like, yeah, I don't care. Is this I just need bodies. I, but, you know, the girls obviously are not consenting to this. And Tanjiro's like, hey, cut that out. Goes for the... Uh, Kamado family secret technique, but he's too fast. He dodges the headbutt. I think he's the only person who avoids a headbutt so far. Yeah, he says, I'm Tengen Uzui, a former ninja. I'm well known in that world. Don't think that makes you a very good ninja, but... <laughs> <laughs> I'm well known for being a secretive ninja. Mm -hmm. You should know but me. <laughs> he is very much a movie ninja movie. All of yeah. the ninjas that we get introduced to are movie ninja movies, which is fine because they're fun, but... The gang at Butterfly Mansion, including Tanjiro, are not impressed by this. They're just like, let her go! Let him go, you kidnapper! Herbert, these are children! I'm a Hashira, I'm your superior! I don't recognize you as a Hashira! Hmm! Don't you hump me? What? I don't care if you don't have enough brain power to recognize me! I'm a Hashira! <laughs> yeah, a Hashira who, who takes young children. Young female children <laughs> who just kidnaps girls because I need warm bodies. Yeah, that's the other thing where where it's like if this rank thing, shouldn't the Hashira have a rank that they should be able to flash? I, are the Hashira so the Hashira weren't listed on that ranking system? So I think it is the Hashira is a title, and you rank up separate from that. And I'm just like that just makes it more complicated to not talk about. I <laughs> It's anyway. like the Nichiren swords. We're just going to forget it's a thing. If you care, there it is. Also, I, I do want to clarify. He only kidnaps. Uh, you kept saying little girls, but one of the people he is attempting to kidnap is. Um, one uh, of them is Tanjiro's age. Yeah, it's Kanoe, the, the mute yeah. girl. When she stands up, he also is like, well, I'll take you too. And um, he I, I got so confused because he only took one of the little dot eyed girls mm. of the three. And I had to look up on the wiki that it it was Ow. I Ow. Aoi. Jay, Japanese help. What? How do you pronounce Aoi's name? Aoi? 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 Usually blue. Okay. Tanjiro's cheer squad at the Butterfly Mansion. 
Yeah, it, it, it's fair to not know which one is which because they are functionally one character. Mm -hmm. They are always Three. drawn together, except when only she is kidnapped. Yeah. Zenitsu and Inosuke conveniently show up as well and menace the Hashira. And he's like, fine, at least you guys have swords. I'll take you. Considering how things actually play out, this is another one where when you stop to go back and think about this moment, it makes Suzui a lot less uh, sympathetic and likable because he goes through character rehabilitation really fast. I really liked him by the end, but this is some pretty nasty stuff he did in the beginning because those mm -hmm. those people he was kidnapping were definitely going to die. <laughs> This this might be another case of we heard there's a demon. It's probably pretty strong. We're sending in a Hashira just to be sure. Oh, no, it's actually a Kisaki. That's what the Mugen train was. It's absolutely it's absolutely a fridge logic sort of thing. It's just there have been a lot of cases where Demon Slayer has um, maybe veered a little bit too close to something that it didn't intend and then did a good job of walking back on it to make it okay. But it mm -hmm. still makes you kind of tilt your head retroactively when you think about the earlier stuff. Like, yeah. but, uh, <laughs> it's Demon Slayer being Demon Slayer, which honestly is a net positive, so I'll take it. But yeah, we have a fun moment where Tengen's like, I'm the coolest, flashiest guy here. I'm basically a god. And Tanjiro raises his hand and asks, so what are you a god of? Good question, I'm god of festivals. Okay. Hello, God of Festivals. I am Inosuke, God of the Mountain. <laughs> At which point he, he refers to himself as that for the entire rest of our reading, and I love it. Zenitsu just desperately wants to not be in this group. <laughs> <laughs> he's, like, he's like, oh no, a bigger dumbass showed up. Why am I here? <laughs> how does he, how, how do I keep getting uh, stuck with these crazy people? The need to seriously considers not going on this mission. And then uh, Tengen's just like, we're going to a den of avarice and lust. The entertainment district. And Zenitsu's like, oh, oh, hey, hey, you know what that is? You know what that is? We're not going to say it because we're a shonen manga, but you know what that is? <laughs> he, keeps, he keeps asking uh, Inosuke and Tanjiro, who both obviously have no idea. Like he's asking rhetorically and surprised when they genuinely don't know. This arc does an amazing job of skirting the line of telling you exactly how a brothel is run and how mm -hmm. prostitutes do their business while never actually calling them prostitutes or, <laughs> alluding, or alluding to what their business actually is. Respect. They yeah. provide entertainment to patrons. It, it, does it does stop just short of going, this is the sex trade. <laughs> it's seven layers of screwed, but... Um, if only. We, People pay extra for that. <laughs> uh, I bet you would. Why? <laughs> there it is. Okay. <laughs> so they stop at a wisteria house where uh, they are filled in on the mission. And Tengen's like, so yeah, my three wives. Zenitsu, you have three wives? Yeah. A weirdo like you? <laughs> That's not fair. I can't accept that. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's like how he feels about Inosuke's face. Yes, it's not fair. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway i sent my three wives in because we uh heard reports that sounded like demon activity in the area and they've infiltrated the brothels and have been sending me reports for a while now unfortunately those reports just stopped so we're going in to try to find them and maybe find the demon that's probably there 
You sent your wives to infiltrate whorehouses? What? <laughs> <laughs> they're ninja, okay? Like yeah, me. They're, yeah, they they do actually make a point of they're they're Kanoichi. They're not technically in the Demon Slayer core. Uh, they are trained in these sorts of things. So also, he does make a point to mention he tried going in himself, but people wouldn't interact with him because he mm -hmm. one he's incredibly beautiful. Uh, it's revealed. And also yeah. <laughs> because he's a man, he's kept at like an arm's reach from like the like business side of things. And like, um, mm -hmm. which is the place where a demon would hide. Yeah. And yeah. The, the the demon has no interest in I, I think the demon we get established has no interest in eating men. Uh, it's easier to make uh, other women in the brothels disappear because mm -hmm. since this is the sex trade and some of them have, you know, been sold into slavery because that's how it worked back then. Uh, if someone disappears, it's just assumed that they ran away from the debt that had been keeping them there and managed to escape as opposed to, you know, being eaten by a demon and stuff. That said, however, there is a bit of a problem because now instead of, now we know why he was grabbing the, the girls from the Butterfly Mansion. But now, unfortunately, his helpers for this mission are uh, three boys. Uh, what are what could we possibly do to uh, infiltrate the brothels like this? This seems like such a difficult situation that will require an incredibly clever solution to solve. We're going to make them all cross dress. Yeah, we're just going to put makeup on them. Also, Inosuke is really hot. There is a moment where they all have this same, like, really dumb, really yeah, unconvincing makeup. Yeah, the fact that Inosuke is just naturally hot, you made him uglier somehow by putting yeah. makeup on him. <laughs> yeah, when, when Inosuke gets placed in his house, um, they go, yeah, we had to wash that awful makeup, but she's got such a beautiful face. A little muscular, but, you know, some people are into that. She's a, she's a little broad-shouldered, but... <laughs> <laughs> People like curves. I, less curvy, more beefy. <laughs> that is a direct quote, and it was hilarious. <laughs> also, Tanjiro gets placed by just being a good boy. Good boy. Yeah, Tanjiro, a good boy. Get, Tanjiro gets placed in the nicest. Like, all the people there are really, like welcoming and nice to him like he's going for information so he has to like explain why he's asking for one of the uh one of the workers there and uh he's like she's my older sister and i'm worried <laughs> and he has like like it's like there uh, tanjiro is not capable of lying it causes him physical pain and he has this ridiculous <laughs> look on his face like, ah, yes, there is the Tanjiro good boy magic I expect from Demon Slayer. <laughs> it physically pains him to... I, look, at this point in Demon Slayer, I was just happy that Tanjiro being a beacon of purity was for one point a negative to him. Yeah, I wasn't sure yep. when I wanted to bring this up, but I, I really, really wanted to point this out because we had some like there were a lot of pros and cons to the uh, Mugen Train arc. There were a lot of points where we said this doesn't ruin the enjoyment, but here's some critiques for this arc of the manga. Wow. Like, I, you know, you know, I Demon Slayer was on my top, you know, manga that we read of uh, last year. And so, you know, it's a high bar set already. But Wow. So much better pacing. They did so much better of letting Tanjiro have his protagonist privileges so he can have his moments and be cool and everything without it, like, taking you out of the story. Like, there wasn't a he somehow knows not to just cut the thread that connects the civil the bribed mm -hmm. civilians moment. Like, like there was there wasn't anything like that. It really does feel like the things that were wrong with the Mugen train arc, like the pacing was so much better. This was such a page. Pacing was 
Yeah, pacing is really good in this. For instance, during the infiltration segment of our reading, uh, we have perhaps my favorite moment where we learn that uh, Zenitsu is <laughs> a friggin' menace on the Shamisen. <laughs> Zenitsu gets placed off page because he gets to the end of one chapter and it's like, he's really ugly. We're not going to be able to place this girl. And we get a flashback midway through the arc of that Tenjin just went to up a house going like, hey, you can have this girl for free. Make her clean toilets or something. And then just left. And <laughs> just, just, get her, just get her off my hands. And we cut to my favorite mini arc where Zenitsu's like, I am going to be the number one prostitute by playing the Shimasen. And I'm like, buddy, <laughs> what? Out of, out of pure <laughs> spite for being uh, uh, chucked away for free. <laughs> Zenitsu Zenitsu didn't didn't do badly last time he just didn't have a lot to do oh boy was Zenitsu great in this section so the, so the infiltration is going well in a manner of speaking it, it, um, it's not going well as far as an infiltration um <laughs> I, I think Zenitsu somehow is the best at maintaining his cover because uh Inosuke is just getting by on the fact he is very pretty. He was specifically told not to speak because he can't speak in a falsetto. They'd know immediately if he ever <laughs> opened his mouth. And Tanjiro doesn't get too far until we get revealed from a side character that everyone involved knew he was a boy and was just kind of wondering what was going on. <laughs> right? I love that. That gets, that gets revealed, like, once the, like... Because, like, you know, like, there's the setup phase where they're doing the infiltration, they're gathering information, they consolidate their information, then they do, go do the thing. And it's that last step where head of the house that uh, Tanjiro was put in was like, yeah, we kind of knew the instant you walked through the door, we were just curious as to why you were doing this. But you were so nice and helpful, we didn't want to say anything! <laughs> the important bits that we do get is uh, specifically... no is actually damaged floorboards and and the wall panels are looks like it's been tossed and he can actually hear the demon going um the ceiling to try to get away yeah uh the demon shenanigans specifically being the demon has captured one of the wives uh makio and is uh plugging her for information phrasing considering uh, what this arc is called shut up <laughs> inosuke uh tries to chase after but in the interests of his cover air quotes can't really do anything to like destroy the building which is what he wants to do he he doesn't do that at first <laughs> he does try to punch a hole in the wall to get to the demon but unfortunately someone gets in the way punches a drunk instead <laughs> This causes the demon to get away from Inosuke, who's very furious about this. Uh, Zenitsu is doing his best with his super hearing. He, he eventually calms down and is like, okay, that whole being the number one prostitute thing, I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to calm that down. That's not why I'm here. <laughs> and he starts doing his job. We're walking it back. I'm looking for Uzui's wife. Okay. And he uses his super hearing and hears a girl crying. And of course, Zenitsu being himself is like, that's the most important sound <laughs> and immediately runs to go see what's up. And not to be too grim, but I imagine that's a fairly common sound around here. It's 
pure protagonist's luck that Zenitsu happened to find the one who was actually being tormented by a demon. He's just there trying to calm the girl down when a very scary looking lady shows up, grabs Zenitsu by the shoulder, and he's like, oh, that's the demon. I can tell that is the demon. She's like the star of that house. They mm-hmm. they use a term that I I don't oh, know. Ran. I think that's the equivalent of like a madam. Mm. Obviously, cultures don't mesh one for one. They, exactly. Like, yeah, it, it's it's similar in the same way. Like she's in charge of. Well, no, she's actually in charge of the person who's in charge of the girls. But like, yeah, it's it's comparable. That's the person who was causing someone else to cry. She grabs the girl by the ear and Zenitsu drinking his respect women juice, grabs her by the wrist and says, let her go, which gets him promptly slapped. Yeah, he he grabs onto her arm and he's like, she is unnaturally strong. Oh, crap, this is the demon. And then she slaps him through a wall. And the other fun bit is that she's like, she's alive. That's probably a demon slayer. Also, that might be a man in disguise now that I'm looking at how ugly they are really ugly because <laughs> she had she'd started off by doing it uh like like the bit had been uh you're ugly and you piss me off i've decided to hate you and then when she hits uh zanitsu it's like that's definitely a demon slayer and probably a man okay time to go to work is a kizuki but we get a we get a brief flashback uh two days before our heroes arrived and the actual like mistress of this house the the boss essentially is like i figured out through context clues that you are something supernatural and very bad you're killing too many people you drove a girl to suicide through your bullying you have to calm down because you're causing problems for me there's even an aspect of look you make a lot of money for me i sort of get the idea that you might be a bit supernatural but on top of that i wouldn't fire you because you make me a lot of money i i want to make this better but please be nicer we're losing other people you know what no grabs her by the face flies into the air you know if you just kept your mouth shut too bad for you drops her oh look she went out a window splat yeah, there's like a really good quote about how like one of the things that can extend your life the most is knowing when you're in a bad situation to just shut up. Yep. I have better be a protagonist, but uh, that's something that she's going to that's learn over little, the course of this arc. That's mm-hmm. a little out of her wheelhouse at home. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's something that that's something that the villains don't learn until the end of the arc they're in. I'm just saying everyone can't be a protag. Mm-hmm. Exactly. We need antags. And speaking of antags, uh, our demon goes and she's like, ah, a good bit of refreshing murder. Now to go home and ah, Lord Muzan. <laughs> and and he's back in demon Michael Lord Jackson Muzan. form. Yes. Well, and this is a flashback. Yeah. Well, oh, that's a, true, too. That's true, too. This is a flashback yes. to two days before our heroes showed up. So this is also post girly Muzan and post child Muzan. So he just yeah. has different forms he switches into then canonically within the same universe it's the first time we've seen him go back to a form he has previously had so either either he has like a a set of forms he can switch between or maybe this is his real one and the others were disguises that's not been revealed to us yet 
And Muzan's like, killing that lady was pretty cool. Uh, unfortunately, she's right. You are going to attract the Demon Slayer Corps, and Hashira will probably show up. I know you've killed seven of them, and that's very good. You're a very special girl, but um, I've got a job for you. You know Tameo, the one that ran away? Another one of those has appeared. I want you to kill her. So, uh, direct hit on our dear Nezuko. We can't let that happen. That's not okay for me. Kind of okay for me. <laughs> wait a minute. Hey, wait, hold up. <laughs> I mean, people need to fight Nezuko so Nezuko can get more fights. Okay, fair point. Okay, okay, yeah. Fair point for that axiom. I'm still getting the torches and pitchforks, though. (laughs) But um, unfortunately, Kizuki, whose name we learn is Daki, uh, that's her true name, not the one, or the her demon name, not the one that she uses in her disguise. All of her uh, pseudonyms when she was going around as an immortal uh, prostitute, all of them ended in Hime, which I think is kind of giving the game away a little bit, but <laughs> it, it worked this long. Well, I, well considering I mean, her line of work. Yeah, it's kind of like being called like mercedes or crystal or something like going to a strip club and then like man all these girls are named after alcohol weird <laughs> about that <laughs> or they're named princess something like you know true true <laughs> you wouldn't question it now uh zenitsu has been captured by daki and uh uzui and the boys realize this as they go to have their uh check-in and uzui's like Okay, this has, uh, this is kind of accelerated faster than I was anticipating. It's kind of a mistake bringing you kids in. Get out of here. I'll finish the mission myself. A mistake to bring kids to a brothel? Who'd have thunk, really? <laughs> a demon brothel, brothel at that. <laughs> I do like another bit of, we see a lot, we see a lot of character development over the course of this for basically all of the principal characters. Because one thing that's kind of cool even though he's still very much not good at it, Inosuke is actually trying to use his head. He found, you know, one of the demons and, and not well, mind you, but he maintained his cover while chasing and he's like, we should go fight the demon I found. I did the thing right. I didn't just randomly attack everything with my swords. I'm doing better, right? Everybody pay <laughs> attention to me. And like, that's such a that's such an Inosuke way of character developing because yes, you are better. You're still a wild man, Inosuke. Calm down a bit. It's also because uh, Inosuke really loves Tengen. It's just like, that guy is super cool. I want to yeah. be like him. He is just as eccentric as Inosuke, and they're just vibing off of each other. They, re- they do he's vibe. A- well, he's <laughs> a god, and I'm a god, so we're peers. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> I- you should never count out Lord Inosuke! <laughs> That's actually, that actually goes back to something that we talked about in the Mugen train arc. I don't entirely agree that Inosuke's motivation is what makes him such a like like when he gets beclowned, it's not really about his desire to get stronger for its own sake. Like there's a reason that shows up in Shonen a lot. It's a very Japanese like value. The thing that makes Inosuke a clown is the fact that he I sort of frame it as like a want versus need thing. He wants to like fight the most powerful opponents and prove his superiority. Whereas what he needs to do is, is actually uh, accurately self-assess and understand that he needs to learn from his betters. And this is another case where we get Inosuke, like the, the fact that he recognizes that this Hashira is just better than he is that like, you know, it's like, I'm a God too. So I speak with him on that level, the vibing that Inosuke and Tengen do, he's trying to follow Tengen's lead. Like he never complains about following Tengen's lead. You know, everybody's taking baby steps, but they, uh, this arc did a really good job of giving 
basically everybody, you know, noticeable steps forward without it being too much. Yeah. And yeah. another thing it really uh, showcases is how hard um, Rengoku's death hit all of them. Uh, mm-hmm. Tanjiro has like visible flashbacks, but then you also get a lot from Inosuke who's just like, hey, maybe fighting with the Hashiro we're teamed up with and like trying to do my own thing and not just supporting him. Cause that's something he like finally got hammered into his head during the final fight with Rengoku was like, I'm in an assist position. Like I help you out. And he immediately jumps into that with Tengen. He's just like, cool, this guy's in the lead. I play support. But I think that would really bolster his uh, continued character growth would be if someone kind of played into the fact that he has such a huge personality where he feels like he kind of needs to be paired with somebody who kind of thinks this highly of themselves, who kind of like to has a big personality similar to himself because he kind of pairs himself where like this is somebody who is quote unquote a peer. He's more in line to follow with or behind somebody who he feels resonates with him in that respect, as opposed to somebody who's strictly to the book or is more reserved because then he just sees, oh, you're just quote unquote, this superior officer, you're the man. I don't want to, you know, adhere to this criteria you have set out for me. I want to be my own boss. I'm so independent. I'm so wild and free. And if you're paired with somebody who has a bit of both, who is able to indulge you in your extroversion and your excessiveness and your big personality, but still is able to kind of steer you in the direction of which you need to grow and further develop, you know, it can be mutually beneficial. Tengen gets me, so I'm more inclined to follow him. It's a very good pairing for the uh, growth of Inosuke in particular, uh, because Zenitsu and Tanjiro have their own sort of separate um, character development. So uh, Tanjiro goes to say his goodbye, at which point the Oiren here at the house he was at is like, yeah, we knew you were a boy the whole time. It was really obvious. You were doing, even if you were doing the falsetto, we could tell in your voice. Well, well then. (laughs) Okay, I guess I'll have to try harder next time. (laughs) He he says, I can't believe she knew. (laughs) It's one of those ones where it's a very Tanjiro moment of like, he takes it well, but he's actually kind of disappointed in himself. And like, like the the madam is like, no, really, it's fine. We like you. We were we were fine with indulging you. <laughs> oh my god! Such a Tanjiro moment. Uh, as Tanjiro is leaving, uh, Daki arrives and she's like, "Oh, you're going you're going to be uh, heading out of town. You found uh, a man to marry you and get you out of this life. I guess I better eat you now, then." <laughs> and it's like, oh, wait, oh. I don't think she she didn't lead the brothel. She was the head prostitute. She they was. were two. Yeah. They were two separate entities, and the head prostitute right, was like right. was gushing over the fact that she finally found a respectable man who would be willing to, you know, despite what she's done, you know, her profession mm-hmm. would be willing to marry her. She's like, "This is my last night. I'm so thankful." It's yeah. a bit of a cultural disconnect. That's actually not that weird to have like a be a professional entertainer and find a like husband from that. There, there's less of a stigma in the. The cultures are not one for one, especially that time period as well, because that's also a big factor. Well, it also depends because depending on and this obviously is something that is also a different cultural like translation is just because you worked at the entertainment district. 100 percent of the time you were not prostituting yourself. You were legitimately performing, entertaining at dinner playing instruments, what have you. It's just the rest of it was common. Yes, it's you have other talents. So say she marries into a family that would be hosting or entertaining. 
her talents would be useful in that respect as well. Yeah, yeah. and they do actually go over that a little bit because they talk about how, and it's actually kind of the way that they dance around the whole prostitution angle of what what an entertainment district is, because mm -hmm. they actually yeah, talk about how people who are talented in entertainment completely normal non-double meaning entertainment people who are good at that tend to rise through the ranks of that district very quickly mm -hmm. yeah and, and zenitsu was even like because uh, this well we don't that's see, actually why he was see, thinking yeah. he was capable of being the number one at yeah. that house well we don't, we don't see it you know beat for beat but uh the infiltration and investigation actually takes place over the course of several days and zenitsu even comments i'm actually getting pretty good at the shamisen now but that's not why i'm here <laughs> tanjiro is going to meet up with anosuke but uh with his super powered nose he's like wait the place i just left now has a bad demon smell ah crap and he uh turns to go back and in my favorite one of my favorite moments uh, uh inosuke is like i'm done waiting for that fool soichiro i'm going to settle this myself and promptly leaps into the ceiling <laughs> he just does that because <laughs> it's one of those ones where we were complimenting him before about not breaking his cover and being all uh but i mean they're throwing the cover away now so yeah so it's like the instant that he has the excuse to... there's a fun bit where in the narration the narration boxes were also done much better because they 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 clarified things that were implied in a way that wasn't intrusive mm -hmm. but there was a fun bit with some of the narr narration boxes where uh it explained that uh uh inosuke hated having to wear a kimono because he doesn't like wearing that much clothing it's too hot <laughs> <laughs> I'm not complaining. But Inosuke, you know, cracks his head into the ceiling and it's like, what is he doing? And then it gets weirder because he demands <laughs> that the mice bring him his sword. Ah, yes, the mice. Oh, don't get me started. <laughs> Those on these mice guys. are so swole. <laughs> swole mice. These I love diamond mice who are only in the story <laughs> and aren't explained at all to be like, hey, why do these characters have their swords? Because these mice can carry a sword. What? Nope. Yes, That's why they have these are swords. They are also so inclined to constantly flex because they are so swollen. <laughs> They're very buff. It's great. The, the narration box says, as you can see, they are extremely strong. One can lift a sword by itself. <laughs> and they bring in Osuke's swords. He throws off his kimono, puts on the boar head, and says, I'm going demon slaying. Headlong rush. And then and around the every... corner, the Madden's just like seizes, like, what the hell? There's a in the, in the it is such a well done panel because <laughs> when he when he first goes off the rail full Anosuke mode, there someone is sticking their head around the corner into the room he's in, and the look of shock and fear on her face <laughs> is so great. And then you see her run away and try to warn people about the monster that has suddenly appeared in the brothel. <laughs> it's it's a great juxtaposition because Inosuke is like drawn in a full glamour shot and then just comedy sketch in the background of, oh, my God. <laughs> Because, like, honestly, if I lived in that universe and I saw Inosuke with his boar mask, I would think he was a demon, even if I didn't know demons really existed. Meanwhile, uh, Tengen, he decides to just go straight to the point. He finds the boss of the house that uh, Zenitsu is at, and he's like, all right, where's the one I left you with? And also Hinatsuru, answer quickly. I won't ask you again. As he's holding a knife to the man's throat. He, like, he ninja uh, teleports behind the guy and holds a kunai to his neck. Yeah. Zenko, because that was uh, Zenitsu's... Uh, cover name. <laughs> she Zenko? just disappeared. Yeah, Zenko. Oh, God. 
They all had terrible cover names. Uh, Tanjiro's was almost decent. He was Sumi, but... <laughs> oh, yeah, Tanjiro was the only one who actually had, like, a different name. Because Inosuke but, was, uh, like, Inoko or something. Like, they just added Ko. They could just have Inu. But, uh, That's already a girl's name from the series. Yeah. Demi2 just disappeared. Meanwhile, Hinatsuru, one of the three wives, uh, she fell ill, so uh, I fired her and sent her to a low-end brothel. Yes, because we know when she's ill, you just send her into the garbage. Mm -hmm. Which, in all fairness, is how the business works. Yes, yes. They explain in a narration box that it's like, at the time, in, the, in these areas, that was what you do. Mm -hmm. But uh, then we have uh, a moment I really liked where um, Tengen's like, okay, sounds about right. Who's the one that's been causing you trouble? Just... You can trust me. You can tell me. I will not fail to exact revenge. The fun bit is he goes as far as saying, I will kill them for you, which I felt was maybe jumping the gun a bit, but... Yeah, but uh, this, you know, the boss of the house, he's freaked out because um, of who wouldn't be in this situation. And he's like, do I tell him? The Kizuki, he doesn't know it's a Kizuki, but anyway, the Kizuki's really scary. Do I do I tell this guy? And then he remembers the lady that uh, Daki had killed two days ago. And he's like, it's the Oiren who lives in the North Room where the sunlight never falls. And it's like, okay. Cool. I'm pretty sure the the woman that the Kizuki had dropped from a high height was actually that guy's wife. Mm. I'm pretty sure that's the because okay. it I know it was the wife of one of the owners of one of the houses. And that's who that's who Tengen was talking to. The point is, he's going to risk uh, upsetting this uh, obvious monster to tell this ninja about it. Tell the ninja about the monster and maybe the monster will go away. What universe am yeah. I in? <laughs> I feel like there's a lot of people in the Demon Slayer universe who have those questions asked to themselves. Obviously, Daki's not in her room because she's off menacing uh, the Oiren from the house Tanjiro was in. So Tengen's off on the hunt. Uh, Tanjiro arrives just in time to see the Oiren of the house being sucked into uh, Daki's Obi. <laughs> into her uh, uh like waist strap yeah it's the it's the sash around the waist for those of you who don't know they it, it, again hopefully uh dear listener you've done the reading they do explain that in the reading what the um kizuki is using as her main weapon she's using the the wrap as like a sort of a chain sword kind of thing chain swords tentacles and also it absorbs body. people because demon magic absorbs magic interdimensional like food preservation service uh. <laughs> it, it's a, it's a real one size fits all uh, magic power <laughs> like a lot of demon blood arts so begins the fight Daki doesn't think it's going to be much of a fight after all i only have use for hashira and she goes to slap uh tanjiro away with the ob he barely survives he's concerned that like some magic has like paralyzed him when he can't get up and he's like no i just got hit that hard this is a kizuki oh boy okay here we go <laughs> okay here we go ah crap the strap broke on the nezuko box i'm, I'm gonna leave you here i'm gonna go fight the demon i'll be back nezuko <laughs> right, i want you not to open the door unless it's to protect your own life I know you'll totally not listen to me about that, but <laughs> I was sitting there like <laughs> I, it's like, you know, like some of the stuff that's been said about the anime. I I was semi spoiled and I was pretty sure that Nezuko had a big thing in this arc. So um, I was kind of aware that this was going to happen. But like, 
had better save uh tanjiro's ass when he gets it over his head i want that to happen that's that's such a you know because again there's that whole the way it was initially framed with the nezuka stuff wasn't great and it has been getting progressively better and better i'm like this this would just be the cherry on top of nezuko having a badass moment coming in to uh rescue tanjiro at the last minute and, oh boy we we're gonna get there <laughs> <laughs> First, we get some really good stuff with uh, Tanjiro in particular. This is this actually goes into what I was saying with they do a good job of developing uh, Tanjiro and showing that he has grown a lot since last time because it was he fought lower one barely managed to hold his weakest form off alone. Now he's fighting upper six, so one rank more and like he's correctly assessing I'm probably going to lose this fight but I can definitely survive long enough to keep everybody alive and wait for um Tengen to arrive and he holds up really really well in the meantime mm -hmm. um it takes longer for Tengen to arrive than he expected cuz he doesn't realize that Tengen is uh, he's he's noticed the machinations of the Kizuki, but a different aspect of the machinations of the Kizuki, which ends up leading into a, some more great Tanjiro and Nezuko moments before Tengen finally arrives. But they don't they don't make Tanjiro too overpowered that now he can actually one v one a Kizuki. But they do show he's grown since the uh, the other thing we get that is shown he's uh, especially in his training, like we get his internal monologue, and thankfully not the narrator text box. <laughs> um, explaining that um, he has come to the realization that the water breathing form is not very compatible with his body. In fact, it's because he chips his sword while he's attacking um, the Obi. Kizuki is just like, oh, you must have had an inferior blade for it to chip like that. And he's like, no, it was made by a master craftsman. A blade only breaks because it's wielded by an inferior swordsman. And that's when we then get the like whole like, I've come to the realization water breathing style. I'm never going to be good at it. It is incompatible with my body. Like I learned it because I had very good teachers. I did very well because I had very good teachers, but I will never be able to master it. There's another good bit that I think is a really good um, show moment of um, Tanjiro's personality because he is immediately uh, quick to defend. No, the person who made my sword is a master. And that's that's a very Tanjiro, like, think the best of everyone sort of thing. Even mm -hmm. if it was true that his sword was the problem, he'd probably still say that. But the really cool moment that shows that Tanjiro isn't He's not like blank faced good boy anymore. Like he's he's really growing into the man he's meant to be is he's like, OK, I believe it's true that the person who made my sword is good. So why is my blade chipping? And that's also the reason why it's really good that it was his own internal monologue and not narration boxes, because we can actually see yeah. he and it's it's not something that he realized until that moment. Like he wasn't even thinking about it. And he's like, wait, my blade is chipped. I know the person who made my sword is good. It's me. I'm the problem. It's not that I'm bad. It's that I'm incompatible with water breathing. Okay, from now on, I'm going to focus on the he uh, Hinokame Kagura because that I know can work. I will jump the gun slightly and say, I don't I don't know if I'd call it my favorite fight, but definitely the opening rounds of uh, Tanjiro versus Daki is very high ranked in the fights in this reading for me perhaps mm -hmm. even perhaps the whole manga just because tanjiro has so much uh good character moment out of it and on top of it just being a really cool fight and the hinokami kagura always looks beautiful the hinokami uh, kagura is really pretty and it's 
so much character moment for uh, Tanjiro. Uh, the blade work is very pretty. What it does to Tanjiro makes him look like he just went to an <laughs> Evanescence concert because he is bleeding oh, yeah. black blood from his eyes in a tear <laughs> pattern that looks like he put on his mother's makeup to look like a jester. Like it's yeah. <laughs> beautiful. He looks <laughs> it, it's pretty it's pretty rough. Uh, there's a moment where um, this is what I trained for. I refuse to lose burn, burn, burn. And then flashback. It's Rengoku's face. Keep your heart burning. And he uh, hit he starts hitting the Kagura moves. It's he, oh, I love he it. starts chaining them because he couldn't up to that point. The reason why he wasn't really using the Hinokami Kagura very much was because every other time he used them in a panic situation, it kind of wrecked his body after the fact. And like he he can recover from them, but he can't really he can't chain them the way he chains his water breathing the way you're supposed to chain sword breathing moves. It also flashes back to him uh, during the training uh, that, you know, had been uh, skipped over at the beginning. And he's like, I know that the Hinakame Kagura is better. If my body temperature is higher, I can do, I can handle it better. So there was a point where he was <laughs> asking one of the one of the butterfly mansion girls not to tell on tell on him that he had a fever because it's he was good. using a fever to train. That Fever is good, please. Just more time, more time. <laughs> which was a which was a cute moment juxtaposed with this is actually again the narration boxes were used so much better this time because that was juxtaposed with the narrator explaining that, oh yeah, this is a great moment for Tanjiro. He's also pushing his body so far past the limit, he is literally breaking himself. And if he does not stop soon, he is going to kill himself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> which is where the eye bleed is coming from. Yeah. Uh, well, the eye bleed starts when, you know, they have the opening uh, bouts of their fight and some random passerby comes out. It's like, what's all the noise? Why do you have a sword? What's going on here? And Doctor, don't like, fight in front of my establishment. Oh, that guy's such an idiot. <laughs> he really like, is. like people are having a shonen anime battle in front of like, hey, you people stop fighting in front of my store. He's unarmed. Like he's unarmed. He's just some old. See them doing supernatural stuff. He should know better. You kids, shakes fist. If I owned a 7-Eleven and two guys were having a shootout in front of my store, you know what I'm not doing? Going outside. (laughs) (laughs) Going outside and tell those two ruffians to not be shooting guns at each other. That'll show them. You two people who are safely shooting each other. Stop that. (laughs) I'm making myself a target. He got severely injured, and there is... Didn't he lose a hand? Lost a hand. It's one of those ones where it's like, I don't necessarily want to litigate if he deserved something that severe, but him him being in pain after the end of that, he did make a stupid decision. That is a self-inflicted wound. I I love the most uh, catty we ever get Tanjiro is when he has, like, taken a very, like, grievous blow to himself to stop this guy from getting instantly killed like someone in a house did. Mm-hmm. Tanjiro sees that someone else died several, in this crossfire. Several, so, several someone's in houses because yeah. Daki is not discriminating in the moment. And mm-hmm. Tanjiro just turns back to the guy who is crying. just like, hey, wrap that in a tourniquet. I do not have time to help you right now. And I'm like, <laughs> good. That's nicer than he deserved, Tanjiro. Which, honestly, it's, again, Tanjiro is character developing. He's still recognizably Tanjiro, but he's not being overly nice. That's a whole lot of serious that's happening right now. How about we get to the part uh, that Inosuke is actually a cat, not a boar? Oh, you mean this fucking bullshit? No, he's totally like a mouse because mice can dislocate 
like flattened completely. Yeah. Inosuke sticks his head in a hole because we got established earlier by Sound Hashira that he like did some echolocation. It's like, that's weird. There are these tunnels that go to like a big opening underground and they're only the size of a small child. And then Inosuke sticks his head is like, huh, my head can fit, but not my muscly arms. Good thing I've always had the ability to dislocate everything in my body and slither like a snake through the holes. And I'm like, Biggity. Ha ha ha! Headlong rush! No one can stop Lord Inosuke! Him so much! I, I'm just saying, Inosuke gets away with some bullshit in this arc. Uh, <laughs> he, he does. He's really cool and really funny, so I'm gonna let him have it, because he deserves it. <laughs> One of the foundational moments of his introduction is showing off his flexibility. You know, the. That is bend, true. The, the bends no. backwards, puts head through legs moment. Oh, yeah. There is something that is going to get echoed later, but I really do like that Inosuke just gets to have this like wacky cool moment because considering how the Mugen Train arc ended, these guys deserve a win. <laughs> these guys oh, just deserve a win at this point. And oh, yeah. After after an entire arc of getting three humble pies force fed to him Inosuke having a moment where he gets to do his cackle and be cool. I, I, I felt our boy appreciated it. <laughs> uh, with his uh, dislocation powers, uh, Inosuke finds the demon's larder, where uh, a whole bunch of the obi with people printed on them looking like Enigma. Uh, he's like, hmm, cloth of human printing on it. Ah, she's trapping people down here so that she can eat them later. Time to cut them all free. Oh, hey, Zenitsu's here. What a loser. <laughs> he's asleep oh. in the, in in the, the obi. <laughs> And we get the running theme of Kizuki, not ever wanting to eat the food they have. They always want to <laughs> gather a large amount of it to eat at once. Unfortunately, the main characters save them before then. Yeah, I said in the I said in our Discord chat, it's like if the Kizuki would just stop playing with their food, this wouldn't happen to them. <laughs> like she mentions at some point, she kept them like as the they start fighting Miss Obi when it comes to life. She makes mm -hmm. a mention like I kept these as hostages to like help me win in a fight. And I'm like, you clearly didn't need hostages. And well, also you could have eaten some of them. I, I think this case is a little bit less egregious than that because specifically she recognized that because the people who are trapped are the three wives in Zenitsu. And she, or two of the wives, right? Because um, one of the wives fate faked being sick. Yeah, the wife who drank poison in order to fake being sick, she got away. Uh, but she had to keep drinking the poison because she realized that the demon Obi was watching her. And if she suddenly got better, that she'd get attacked. But two of the, the people who are in the Obi are the two wives and um, Zenitsu. And to some extent, the reason why she hesitated on those three individuals is Zenitsu had literally just been captured. She didn't have time to eat him. And the two wives, she explicitly knew they were spying on her. So she was also mm -hmm. curious about what was going on. And there is an element of if the Kizuki would stop playing with their food, they'd be in a lot better place. But they have also been doing this for centuries. And there is a level of arrogance that you get when you've been uh, murdering people unreproached for literal centuries. So it's it's a very it's a very stock villain weakness that they that uh, the author gets to slap mm -hmm. on these guys. <laughs> Uh, so I'm not terribly mad about it. Uh, we, and we have a fun moment where Inosuke activates Ultra Instinct, dodges the demon Obi attacking him, and cuts free the hostages. 
And then we finally get to properly meet Tengen's wives who end up for for being like side background characters end up being really endearing really fast. I love how quickly I I absolutely started adoring the all three of them can, once the second one. Can we also point out the um very weird coincidence that Tengen's three wives all look vaguely similar to the main characters? And it makes a lot more sense why he was suddenly willing to go like, no, I will switch for these three rather than this random group of people I was stealing. They remind you know, me I of had, my wives. You know, I hadn't considered that, but you're right. And that's weird. There's the one that like you see is sort of like the the like main leader one of the group is the one in the ponytail. And then there's the one who's who's like comically scared, who's like the uh, Zenitsu uh, style crybaby. Yeah. And those two those two are the ones that we interact with the most. And like especially the crybaby. I that one is Suma. Suma. And uh, like at they're helping Inosuke free other hostages. And she's like, I'm not much of a fighter as she is actively stabbing a demon thing. <laughs> if you're surrounded by excellence, then it's really hard for you to really feel like you can shine on your own though. Tengen stopped short of saying that he pisses excellence. So. <laughs> yeah. I think the one in the ponytails is probably the one that like, personality wise is closest to Inosuke, even though yeah, that's Makio, even though she seems like she'd be the one taking point in the group, like in the three of them leadership wise. It really is a case where it's like, just like Zenitsu have like she says, I'll probably die first. And it's like, no, you'll be fine. Believe in yourself. It's sort of the same. It's sort of the same reaction I have to Inosuke, where it's like, I'm immediately on on your side because I can see you're capable. And the only thing holding back is you're you not believing in yourself. That's a very sympathetic way of portraying a character. So I was immediately on their side. Speaking of Zenitsu, he was freed and is asleep. So it's thunderclap and flash time. And Inosuke's like, hmm, maybe you should just stay asleep. They did, they did my the boy dirty in this arc. <laughs> really? He, I thought he, he did is good. He is asleep to the point he has full conversations in his sleep. Actually, like, I wanted to well, talk about that because I have I have thoughts about that. Uh, technically, he doesn't start getting real egregious until the second half of the fight when him and Inosuke get paired off on their own. But like and start having, you know, stratagem it, talk it, in in the first half. He's very much like what he's been so far, which is like he's asleep. He's doing things in the next part. He starts noticing things with his eyes closed and points them out to people and like is my boy's just awake. See, that's the thing. That's the thing. The way I'm seeing it is he's not fully conscious yet. But because he's been doing missions on his own, he's like, I'm, I see it as like he's in an almost half awake state. Mm -hmm. He's not quite fully asleep. And that is, like I said, they all have these moments where they have like a clear step forward where Zenitsu is that yeah. little bit closer to eventually he's going to be able to just be awake and be cool. Do we think that he's just being asleep just because he needs to remove his full consciousness from being able to pursue dangerous it's it's how he represses the fear that ruins his sword breathing. Yeah, techniques. he's not acting like a goofball when he's in this state. He's getting closer to the point where like this is what an awake Zenitsu would be like. He's not there yet. He's not reached his full potential yet. But this is a big step forward for him. I really liked that they did that for him. Yeah, I thought of it as another step on the road. Yes, but it is pretty. It is pretty silly, you know, thinking about the yeah. it, it is silly. It doesn't help that it do, it doesn't help that his clown uh, geisha 
makeup. That yeah, never that goes wasn't, away. Wasn't washed he, off. He is uh, in bad clown makeup the entire time and will occasionally have a snot bubble coming out. So I will agree with you there, Matt, yeah. that he has done a little dirty in that regard. Done dirty in that regard. I do agree with that because as much as I was enjoying the fact that he was semi-lucid for this and I was like, wow, that's a really cool character moment for Zenitsu. I wish he didn't look so awful right now. Like, I don't even mind the snot bubble thing, because that's just a that's just manga uh, framing for this character is asleep. It's the fact that he didn't take like no one took the pigtails and wiped the makeup off is the part that was uh, a bit egregious for me. The freed hostages and Inosuke are doing a pretty good job of keeping this uh, worm obi in check. And then ba-boom, Tengen with his exploding swords. We haven't mentioned that yet. Uh, but he has those. His swords explode. He bursts through the ceiling and drops in looking super cool and says, all right, I'm here to finish off this thing. And uh, we're going to get the hostages out of here. Good work, ladies. And can I, uh, and lads, can we really just focus on the thing he says right before he uses his swords where he's just like, my swords are amazing. I actually don't know what they do because they instantly kill everyone I've hit with them so far. I've never had someone survive a hit. Therefore, I don't really know the full extent of what these swords are capable of. It is such a both cool and dumb brag, which fits his character perfectly. <laughs> They're chained together like uh, Nunchuck as well. Except they have like a meat cleaver shape. <laughs> yeah, it's really cool. I love his weapon. Uh, Makio and Suma are like, oh, he's here. Oh, that's good. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna have a lot of emotions for a second. Do a little bit of flashbacking. We get the backstory of the four of them, which is pretty cute. I liked it. They were raised as uh, Konoichi. They were raised to believe that uh, they were bodies to be sent on missions, and if they died, so be it. And uh, meanwhile, Tengen is like. No, if you think your lives are in danger, you need to retreat because I want you three to live. And Makio is like, but but then how do I do the job? You'll figure it out. You're smart. Where uh, they're talking about, you know, we've been doing this for a while. Maybe it's time we think about retirement. And it it does such a good job of like, strictly speaking, oh. Tengen and all three of his wives are completely expendable characters. Any of these characters can die and nothing would change narratively. So Shame. like he was just a day away from retirement. <laughs> but like, but like <laughs> that that like that's mentioned and I'm like Oh, God, I love all four of them. Please do not kill them. I know you can and you probably will, but please do not kill any of them. <laughs> Is this also mm -hmm. the, the same backstory where Tengen makes a brief mention about how his brother's an asshole and his brother is uh, like maintaining the ninja way, but he's kind of a jerk. He just treats his wife as a factory for babies. And I'm like, that's some cool character I'm, development. I doubt that character is ever going to show up. <laughs> Probably not. That does happen later. Yeah, that flashback happens later. Uh, actually, a cool bit of uh, subtle work by uh, the mangaka is uh, to give you an idea of exactly how long uh, these four have had this operation going in the flashback. Tengen has a different design. Mm -hmm. It had it has elements of the design that we know, but uh, it's proof that they have been doing this long enough for him to have at least one character rework. I really like his uh, his Naruto headband, which is bedazzled. <laughs> <laughs> Got rhinestones in it because they're definitely not diamonds. Those things Nope. Huge. That's just what I'd expect from my wives. <laughs> Fortunately, great. I'm part of the Demon Slayer Corps, so I'm required to protect all these boring normal people. You maintain your own mm -hmm. lives, though. 
Again, direct quote. <laughs> and Inosuke immediately ruins it by going, hey, you, God of Festivals, we got more stuff going on. I am having a moment. <laughs> With my three wives. You have three wives, you asshole. Well, well, two of his three wives. Because one of them. He brags about that a lot, and I kind of love it. You know what? His wives are all great. So I I would, would, yeah. But uh, Tengen's like, all right, well, we've saved the hostages. Now to go join the actual fight. Time to go join join the boss fight. The pieces of the worm obi fly back and reabsorb into Daki, which gives her a transformation. So, you know, she's stronger now. Yep. Oh, my larder got torn apart. That means the Hashira is here. Oh, Lord Muzan's going to love this. Yeah, it turns very weird kind of <laughs> adoration, affection for Lude Muzan that he obviously does not deserve in any respect, but it also makes me uncomfortable reading this section. <laughs> it doesn't help that she has been in lingerie this entire yeah, time, we, and that will not change. We haven't mentioned, uh, Daki is dressed like a stripper. She's got like mm-hmm. six inch heels on. Um, a top that uh, just covers she, the parts that need to be covered. And then her lacy panties and the Zetairo Yuki going She's dressed on. like a it's, stripper because she's in the prostitute mm-hmm. district. I don't know what. This this sort of uh, harkens back to something I mentioned in Eden Zero. I really, I actually really enjoyed her design because I'm totally fine with seeing some fan service as long as it doesn't take me out of the story. Why wouldn't she be dressed this way? Like. Well, there's also the fact that, well, well, as we'll as we'll discover later, she's only 13. So yeah, that is problem. Well, she's also a demon who's lived for hundreds of years. So I <laughs> think that's it's a complicated situation. I don't want to be anywhere near this woman, but I appreciate the aesthetic. <laughs> yes, we appreciate the aesthetic. This is actually something that they do a good job of. Like, they don't explicitly foreshadow it, but they do kind of um, imply that whilst Tanjiro is fighting her, that she's not really at full power. And, like, then there's the thing with the Obi where she reabsorbs it, but you kind of get the impression that she's still holding back. And this also goes back into the Tanjiro is 1v1ing Akizuki, and he's holding up. He's having real trouble beating her, but he's surprising her and actually pushing her limits. But they also don't take it too far in that suddenly Tanjiro has protagonist powers to the nth degree where, you know, like you kind of know that she has more than what she's showing and she's surprised that she has to show as much as she does. Uh, he he almost uh, takes her head off. something she's never felt before, obviously. She, uh, Tanjiro almost takes her head off and she uh, reveals that she can turn her neck into her obi. And, you know, yeah. like it's moments like that that, like, Tanjiro has so many really badass moments in this. I really appreciated the fact that they never took it too far because they, they basically pushed it as far as you could go before, you know, you're starting to give him Mary Sue powers. And I really yeah. appreciated that a lot. They got real close, though. I was mm-hmm. about to be like, I'm writing Tanjiro off. And then Ghost Brother came out to go like, you're going to die. And I'm like, oh, good. Finally, someone's putting a stop to this. Because it's like, did you know that I'm actually the best at this fire style? And I'm like, holy shit, Tanjiro, why? <laughs> uh, well, okay, so um, after Daki slaughters a bunch of people, Tanjiro enters his rage mode. That's when he gets the bloodshot eyes and he's crying blood and it's real edgy. We actually learn where the scar on his forehead came from. I think we already knew that was a burn scar he got when he was little. I think they yeah. said that yeah. in the beginning. Daki actually is like, actually notes it's... Er- was it Doc? Somebody knows. No, no, it was uh, it was uh, Rengoku's father oh. who wrote an apology letter. Like, I'm sorry, I was such a drunk asshole last time. 
I do not I do not process emotions in inadequacy well, so I <laughs> yeah. apologize for that. I, I remember now. I remember now why I was mad yep. at Tanjiro because he has this little monologue to himself. It's like, no, I'm not the main character. I don't have main character powers. Proceeds to show off main character powers. <laughs> and I'm like, I get in universe, you're creating a <laughs> distinction, but meta wise, you are saying, I don't have this cool shonen super special power no one else does. While showing off the cool super special power no one else has. Like, oh, it, 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 uh, Tanjiro tries me at the best of times. And this was, uh, uh, this was one of those times. I feel like this entire journey is just Tondro's acceptance that he is a main character. That's the entire, <laughs> like... <laughs> That's his character growth. <laughs> well, actually, like, sort of the thing that didn't bother me in the least, and sp and specifically the reason is there's a reason why Chosen One narratives exist. You kind of have to have your protagonist have something special about them, because otherwise they're not the protagonist. And that can be taken too far. And like, there's a lot of media that like deconstructs, you know, how a protagonist should work and things like that. You know, basically what Tanjiro is saying is I don't have magic powers that make me that make me powerful. I'm just going to keep going until I either win or break. And I appreciated that a lot. That's already a trope, though, that there are so many protags who, despite all odds, will keep going and keep going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's it's trying to deflect the chosen one narrative into the narrative uh, into the trope that you mentioned, Jay. I, I understand Matt's frustration. I enjoyed it because this was cool. And I, as we have documented much on this show, I'm real good at turning my brain off. for sure. So, <laughs> well, I think I think the important thing here is different people like protagon different protagonists for different reasons. And mm -hmm. in the case for me and Sam, the Determinator protagonist is something that we are hardcore on board with. That's something. Who the hell do you think I am? That's something we're inclined to like. So. This didn't push Tanjiro for us because we like that sort of thing. And it's not Matt's jam is is sort of what I'm what I'm getting from what you're saying. Now, readers, you can guess what kind of protag that Jay prefers. <laughs> Attractive Bishi boy. Close. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, getting back to the plot, um, we have a uh Tanjiro in his rage mode leaps up onto the roof to uh, continue the battle with Daki, who's like, all right, I'm going now. Goodbye. I'm going to go fight the Hashira. Um, and I love this entire sequence. Tanjiro grabs her leg like, where are you going? Bitch? And she tears her own leg off to escape his attack. He hits her with the people die when they are killed. <laughs> a life that is lost can never return. It's gone forever. Mm -hmm. That's his actual line, which is, which a, is a bit more eloquent than uh than our our boy Shiro, but it's the not dumb version of that line. Yeah, the one of the things that I think that um uh, we glossed over that it's a quick moment, but I think it's a really good moment. Uh, where whilst Tanjiro is in his Determinator mode, he's basically resigned to I'm gonna kill this Kizuki and it's gonna kill me, but I don't care. And then the thoughts of his family, which again, whether or not they're ghosts and actually talking to him, is left pretty vague. But regardless, the the thoughts pretty, of his I'm, at this point, I'm pretty sure they they are. have to to be ghosts who are talking to him like there is they've not they've not outright said it but it's starting to really look that way but regardless the point is thoughts of his family keep him from uh basically sacrificing himself to take jacob, the demon's head jacob you know how i know that they are real ghosts because the narrator didn't pop in and say these are not actually ghosts this is just a memory <laughs> of <God."> 
<laughs> I mean, that is that is, is a, a fair term. piece of evidence. But yeah, uh, he, uh, Tanjiro has stopped. Yeah, Tanjiro has stopped doing his things. And then the thing Sam mentioned happened. Tanjiro was giving her this speech about uh, why life is important. Don't you remember that? You were human once. And Daki's having flashbacks that aren't hers. She's remembering Tanjiro's dad with the with the mark grown into a weird flame tattoo on his forehead saying the same thing. And she's like, I don't, these aren't my memories. Wait, is this Lord Muzan's blood reacting to this? Her hand starts shaking and she's like, I'm not scared. My blood is. That's not good. Okay, of all the weird mystic bullshit in this series, and there's a lot of it, Zenitsu's yellow hair, everything Inosuke does, <laughs> the fact that Tanjiro having a fever makes him better at the Hinokami Kagura, that one I'm the most about just because I love uh, reincarnation and um, bloodline narratives like that. Well, it's also like the whole thing about... Um we kind of touched on this last time was like the demonization process is inherently like some kind of like mind control from Lord. Mo like there is a very mm -hmm. large amount of wiping away the personality of the person. That's why when you first turn into a demon, you are a feral beast. Like, yeah, you start eating people and then maybe you'll regain like flashes of your human memories. But like there's a very strong thing. You're barely the same person after it. Like. There is a lot taken from you. This is actually something that's uh, really important relative to Tanjiro's character, because this section, I think, did a really good job of threading the needle on this concept, is that because they're not really who they used to be, trying to talk them down like Tanjiro was originally inclined to do is a bad idea, because there's not a person there to talk to. But Tanjiro also recognizes that people don't become demons unless something bad happened to them. And that's why he's sympathetic towards them, no matter how evil they get. Also a really good line where he like threads, because normally you get like the thing of like, well, I forgive you for everything you've done. Tanjiro kind of has the thing like, I understand you're hurting, but also like, I you're, understand bad things happen to you. You're hurting other people and that's not okay. Well, more more importantly than that, because he's not really like judging their morality. He's more talking about their thought process. He says something along the lines of, um, I know bad things happen to you, but that just means you're all the more aware of how that hurts other people. So you yeah. per mm -hmm. perpetuating it, you know what you're doing is wrong and are continuing to do it. Like that is worse than like acting out of ignorance. Yeah, he says mm -hmm. that he says that actually in this stage of the fight. And uh, unfortunately, the uh, the uh, the Kizuki responds in, in exactly the way you expect someone like this. No, I'm going to balance the scales. I'll inflict as much suffering on the universe as I possibly can, which is oh, wait, very to make up for what happened to me. Scales. What? They, uh, it makes as much sense yeah. as, as it sounds. Yeah, it, it, yeah, it's a very sad reaction to pain, but it happens a depressingly large amount of time, which I mean, hey, that's part of what fiction is for, is to express feelings like this. So Tanjiro fights uh, Daki more. I, I'm, I don't, I'm not going to go beep, beat for beat. It's really cool. There's a lot of clever uh, shonen moments like I can't cut her neck because she's made it too limp. I need to pull the obese taut in order to do oh, that. No, I'm I'm very excited to see the anime interpretation of this fight because I want to see the uh -huh. cool like billowing like obi attacks and everything. But like 1v1ing it on a podcast mm -hmm. is not great. So yeah, a cool yeah. fight happens. So <laughs> 
so cool fight happens. Uh, Tanjiro is about to cut her again, but he's pushed himself to his limit. The ghost of one of his siblings is like, big brother, you have to breathe, please. He collapses, coughing and hacking. And this is my favorite moment in the narration boxes where uh, human beings have two limitations. You can reach your physical limitation and you'll be racked with pain and cannot move. But if you ignore the pain and move further, you can burn away at your own life force to keep going. But if you cross that threshold, even while fighting a demon, it will ruin you. And then in my favorite panel, Tanjiro is on his knees, coughing up blood before Daki. If anger alone could carry you through, then demons would have been wiped from the earth. Mm -hmm. What a statement on shonen storytelling for the past like 40 years. <laughs> right. Hey, getting real angry that someone wronged you and screaming until you become the best. Man, that sure just diminishes everyone else who was angry that they got hurt and then were killed. Like, <laughs> it is my favorite panel in this entire reading. And there's a lot of really good stuff that happens afterwards. But uh, yeah, uh, as Jake wanted and as Matt was getting to, uh, Nesuko to the rescue. Yeah, because yeah. <laughs> then because then we get some of my favorite stuff of uh there's that really eloquent bit and then uh uh nezuko appears behind daki nezuko does not have these limitations and she's no, very she is a demon and she's very very angry and, and yeah. daki's also has a great quote she's like wait hold on what's going on why is she as strong as an upper rank like demon like Yes. She's not eating any humans. Yeah, she's supposed to be literally like a half-developed demon, I think is how they phrase it, because she hasn't been feeding off mm. of human flesh. Nezuko kicks yeah. the top of her head off. Yeah, I, mm -hmm. I think we were worried about this in the first reading, but I think this kind of cements it. There's something up with Nezuko that is not bog-standard demon. Well, I mean, oh, even... Yeah. Oh, who... I don't remember demon physician demon physician's name but she, even she says uh, after she heals her when they're fighting the two um demons who come after them in the safe house that there's something up with Nets nesuko tamio was like yeah me and me and simkun over here we killed people we were bad for a while we brute force mentally overcame this nesuko never did that she's different <laughs> she built different she built something, different something's weird yeah, but that was like, that was an abnormality. Now she has slept her way to the top. Move. Yes, yes, slept her way to the top, everyone. I mean, yes, but like literally she. <laughs> yeah, we need to be careful because this is the entertainment district arc. <laughs> when we say she slept her way to the top, we mean actually sleeping, I, not the love, other kind. I love how rather tame this issue, this um, episode is. We're still going to have to make this uh, um... explicit. Yeah. Yeah. Like, the other thing is, even this arc is actually relatively tame because the only thing that's really racy about the whole thing, other than the implications they don't say or show in any meaningful way, is the Kizuki's, is uh, Daki's outfit. Mm -hmm. Like, that's the closest we get to anything risque. Yeah. Uh, Nezuko is instantly healing every limb she gets cut off. But she goes full Akaza. Yeah. <laughs> Like, it's basically the exact same paneling, which is a marvelous visual callback. It's like, oh, she's like the last Kizuki. She's like the upper rank three. She's so strong. Oh, no. She's like the last one that killed Rengoku. And, uh, oh, no. Is starting to blend in personality wise with being like the last one. She 
bites through the bamboo gag. Yeah, it's it is it is such a cool moment, you know, because I mean, like super powered evil sides are a trope. This is a really good super powered evil side because you are really scared about how far Nezuko is going to go. Yeah, like I, you I just, stop caring about whether or not she beats Daki and more about if Nezuko is going to be OK. I, I just remembered um, as far as uh, risque things in this. Uh, battle, OK, yeah, that is true. Uh, um, Nezuko, as we've established, is able to transform her like body's physical age. That's why we get cute little baby Nezuko. Um, She's full, basically aged full, about 10 years. Yeah, full demon Nezuko has decided, I want to be a 25-year-old woman with uh, all the power of a great demon lord with, like, horns? A horn. Um, so I brought up to Matt earlier how apparently this has gotten the fandom upset because they are claiming that they have over-sexualized Nezuko. And I'm just like... Oh, okay. I'm a hermit and I heard about that controversy. If you look at just the image of her, like the kimono doesn't change size. So she has cleavage. But like if you're looking at it in the context of like how the panels work, they don't like frame her body sexily. Like it's scary. It's one of those ones where it's like, guys, mm -hmm. context matters. We also haven't seen the anime. The anime might have done. The more. anime might have done Nezuko dirty. That's possible. I actually did look up the clip of this moment because it has it has premiered in the anime at this point. It's terrifying because you can hear Nezuko's bloodthirsty laughter as she is torturing Daki. And that's that's what I was about to get at. Context matters because if it was a pinup of Nezuko looking like that, like as like an in-betweener, I could see someone rightfully getting at least weary of that sort of thing. But this is a scary moment. I wasn't looking at Nezuko and thinking, ooh, look at the boobs. No, I was thinking, I was looking at Nezuko thinking, oh God, is she going to be okay? No, Nezuko, you're better than this. And it really is the case where yeah. being concerned about over-sexualizing an underage character, that's not an unreasonable reflex, but pay attention to context before you flip out. Because that does matter a lot. Like 80% of internet controversy, Jacob. <laughs> like, I'd like to be part of the positive change. Okay, Jay. <laughs> like most conversations on Twitter, I'm not sure real people are having them. <laughs> Again, I know you're right, but I'd like to try to be a part of positive change in that regard. I'm pretty sure y'all are just the tulpa of some sort of rage demon. <laughs> like, like what Nesuko has become. Uh, she's also got these weird tattoo marks on her where she's got like vines. Yeah, it's like wisteria vines. Uh-huh. Symbolism! Yeah, I was gonna say, Symbolism. Wisteria has become so much more important because we mentioned it's like, the, the, the Wisteria magic is how the symbol rank thing happens. It's like, I don't remember no, those being fact, anything more than a de mild demon repellent, but okay. The fact they call it Wisteria technology rather than the magic that clearly <laughs> is uh, unnerved me because it's like, ah, uh, yes, we've developed some Wisteria technology where if you say a magic pass for, nope, nope, that's just magic. It's, <laughs> it, it's, ma it's magic attack. It's just magic. Attack. But in this case, in this case, good symbolism for especially what we see later. But yeah, uh, we have a moment that I found really cool where uh, I hope we get an explanation for this at some point. But Nesuko only does kicks as her attack and she goes to do another kick on Daki and she's like, oh, you, so you're big and strong now. You've entered Super Saiyan mode, but you uh, still just do the same stupid attack. I'll just sever your leg again. You'll never regenerate it fast enough. Oh, you regenerated it fast enough. Ow. I was a fool. It's like Nezuko goes into kick. She's like, I'll block this attack by cutting your leg off. 
and that happens the the uh obi goes through and then she gets stomped anyway and it's like how is that possible i know i hit her wait she regenerated wait look, there's blood on her leg she literally regenerated that fast oh god which i think i i think at that point um uh, Nezuko, mm -hmm. uh, some of Nezuko's blood ends up getting on Daki, and she realizes that's not the only bag in or trick in Nezuko's bag. Uh, meanwhile, another one of the ghost siblings is like, Tanjiro, Nezuko's lost it. Wake up, please. <laughs> but yeah, um, Nezuko sets Daki on fire with the blood demon art. Uh, there's a really cool thing where Nezuko becomes Monsoon from Metal Gear Rising Revengeance. Of course. Okay. The members of our audience that know that will understand. I know these three don't, but <laughs> all I know is that Nezuko says memes, the DNA of the soul. And then when her limbs are severed again, they, they stay connected to her by her congealed blood. <laughs> so she's able to extend a arm to continue to beat the hell out of Daki and like pluck her head back on. It's, it is an, extremely unsettling series of panels which is reflected in Daki's expression of why no please it's why first, it's the first time we've seen her concerned about something you know it, there is this really great transition of Nezuko gets her big damn hero moment and is really cool and then very quickly it becomes Nezuko are you all right oh you're not all right and the the mm -hmm. because she kicks Daki through a wall and she's like all right now to go finish off my enemy and ooh tasty human. like this is such a a good uh, illustration of the um well illustrations her facial expressions <laughs> are great because I didn't even know 100% if she was going to eat that person because she was in rage mode. Like, she mm -hmm. was going to, like, rip him to pieces. And if the eating came next, that was probable. But, like, she was just in a berserker rage. But the other kind of nice thing is you could also, like, she was definitely uh, fighting it because if she, like, the power that she'd shown up to that point, if she wanted to get to that guy he'd be dead. Tandro manages to get there just in time to hold her back. And there's also, yeah. it, it's one of those ones where like, from a narrative perspective, you know that Nezuko's not going to die because then the series is over. So it's one of those ones where it's like, there's mm -hmm. that whole, you know, I was mentioning that I was very, I, uh, you know, all this time I've been very scared for uh, Tengen and his wives because strictly speaking, they're narratively expendable. Tanjiro and Nezuko are the least expendable characters in the series, but the image of Tanjiro's Nichiren sword in Nezuko's mouth gave me a level of anxiety that I was not happy about. It was really <laughs> well done. Yeah, he, he rustles her away. He sings a lullaby. She goes back to sleep. She becomes Bebe Nezuko again. There, there's a really cool moment where he's still wrestling Nezuko and um, Tengen appears. And he was uh, he was at the uh, thing where they were talking about whether or not they kill Nezuko. Uh, yeah, because all the Hashira were there. Really cool moment for him. He was like, look, I wanted to kill her the last time. You had better prove right now that you can keep her under control. I'm following the master's orders and, you know, I'm I'm not going to kill her right now. But, buddy, get her under control, because, like, that's as far as it goes before I, I change my mind and go against orders and just end her right now. And, like, it's a, it's a really good moment of, like, he's a Hashira. He's not happy that Nezuko has been, you know, been allowed to live. But it also is, again, talking about how this character who started off as really, really unlikable suddenly gets really endearing. 
he's he's legitimately encouraging hey i don't want to have to kill her fix this buddy Man, <laughs> like yeah i i read that more as he was like real casual about that he's like wow she's really strong that's a cool demon pet you got there you uh don't look like you've got this under control though because he's currently got the sword through nezuko's mouth just like um i you want me to take like if you're gonna have to take care of this if this becomes a problem well, no, no, I've got it. Nope. Thanks for the help, nope. boss. Okay, cool. <laughs> you you <laughs> should go deal with the Kisaki. Oh, you've cut her head off. <laughs> That's actually kind of what I was saying, though, is the fact that he was so casual about it. I appreciated that because he wasn't he wasn't unrealistically encouraging towards Tanjiro, but he also wasn't antagonistic about it. And I appreciated that. I thought that, you know, balanced out where it would make sense for him to be in that situation he had the he had the like level of like someone said like you're um loading like car a car full of stuff you're like you're helping someone move and someone grabs like a really heavy thing and you're like hey you want some help with that no i got it and you just watch them struggle from the moving van going like yeah you got it right <laughs> right yeah, you, you sure got that huh buddy yeah you could <laughs> totally handle like sing her a lullaby or something and so uh tanjiro does from their childhood and it's it's very it's very endearing it's a very it sweet makes, moment it makes nesuko remember being a human and she sobs until she falls asleep and becomes bede again and hurt a bit <laughs> Yeah. but uh, then, uh but yeah oh so uh we we beheaded the kizuki good good work gang yeah that seemed that seemed suspiciously easy Tanjiro's doing his uh recovery breathing off screen for a bit not important now mm -hmm. but it will be important in a few seconds when i uh have some questions uh, <laughs> well he has to, he also has to go put nezuko back in her box yeah 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 gotta go put her back in the box so she can have her nap um Daki is just kind of sitting there with her head in her hands, literally. <laughs> Going off about things and stuff. She's berating. Uh, <laughs> she's berating. You're like, how rude of you. Why'd you cut my head off, you asshole? Why are you not dead yet, you screeching harpy? Oh, uh, this sucks. I'm, I'm so confused. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I just wanted to kill a Hashira on my own. Kitsaro, how? She starts to reflect her physical, well, mental age. <laughs> <laughs> Very much yeah, as, as, she, as she becomes a as she becomes a bawling child. Yeah, it's it's one of those ones where um, I it's not so much that they like they didn't really like explicitly foreshadow something like this happening, but I did kind of get the impression that there was like two of them like linked, and that was the reason why Tanjiro was able to do so well against her. And this getting revealed, and it's like ah. There was a reason why Tanjiro could almost one v one a hot uh, a uh, Kizuki. I, I keep flipping those two for some reason. Jacob, did you also have the same hindsight I had, where I saw the Kizuki get killed and I noticed, hey, we're barely halfway through the chapter count. Oh yeah, no, I am. Well, <laughs> see, I again, I was like, it seems like she's way calmer even when she's losing. I have a feeling that there's like two of them linked or something like that. And then, hey, guess what? And that, yeah, I, I, I'm a little bit proud of myself. Like, I wouldn't have said it out loud, you know, put money on it or anything like that. But I'm kind of proud that I actually did catch that because I sort of saw that coming. And um, mm -hmm. it, it, you know, all the stuff that we were saying before of like Tanjiro's right on the line of being a little bit too much of a protagonist. When I saw that, I'm like, yup, that's exactly why he could uh, go toe to toe with a, with a Kizuki for so long, because there's two of them. That's like... That's like 40% power. Well, to the, the 
but she was just the whole fight sequence was so immature seeming. Mm-hmm. I mean, you would you would expect the Kizuki mm-hmm. to be a little bit more intellectual and calculating than she was. Mm-hmm. You are an annoying yeah. bug. I must squash you. Is just kind of like what that's I not would... really Kizuki material. Yes, exactly. And so, and so, uh, I don't think we've ever mentioned it yet, dear listeners. But uh, Daki is upper rank number six. She's the bottom of the higher ranks of Kizuki. Another upper rank number six shows up, her brother, Giyotaro, who is an ugly ass mantis man. <laughs> who emerges out of he, her neck. Yeah, technically Giyotaro is not ranked. His eyes are clean. I think he has, I think he has scratchy, like, like it's scratchy. Yeah. It's not really the number symbol, but it's something close to it. She carries the rank, but he helps her with everything. It, basically, it, it's sort of a stand situation where he is her power. And he squinches out of her neck. It's really gross. And he's like, oh, you poor thing. You really shouldn't get that pretty face of yours all messed up. And you lost your head. Oh, we should really pin it to your neck. Hey, you, fancy guy. Did you hurt my sister? Yeah. Uh, you're a real handsome looking dude, too. And you just blocked that attack I did. Now, you're probably really strong. I bet the people fawn all over you. You get a lot of praise, don't you? Well, yeah, I'm a really cool, flashy, sexy guy. I've even got three wives. You have three wives, you asshole. That's too much. I just love how canonically no one's outraged with the fact that he has three wives. They're just freaking jealous that he has three wives. Jealous <laughs> of him, and I'm not even in that universe. Have you seen his wives? His wives are They're really hot. <laughs> They're hot and strong. All the three best of them kind. Are, all three of them are too good for me, and he has three. Look, they're all three Japanese assassins, and as we know, Japan is one country over from Russia. Wow, I actually, oh you're right. Oh my god. You're right. I guess Sam, I guess Sam does have more of a reason to hate him than I do. I we're gonna get to the fight, <laughs> our longest fight in this whole freaking manga. <laughs> <laughs> we spent an hour of this show on it already. We're going to spend another hour on the next one. Editing me is going to hate this. Yeah, I do. That sounds like a future problem. Fortunately, uh, there is uh, a lot less talking it because like there is a lot of setup to getting to this point. There was a lot of strategy. There are a lot of mm-hmm. wham moments, though. I think it, I think this is this is going to be a bit easy to basically go from one to the next. Pretty quickly, the main trio kind of comes to the same realization that they all kind of admit is a hunch, but, you know, a good enough one. Oh, these must be a paired set of demons. And I guess their whole thing is you have to cut their heads off, both of their heads off to kill both of them. The double-headed snake, you got to kill both heads off at both ends. Mm-hmm. 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 We learn that the power set for uh, Yutaro, uh, his thing is that he uses uh, sickles as his weapon. Uh, that mm-hmm. I think are made of his bl- like like he can make blood sickles, but also I think his regular sickles are also like made of his blood solidified or something. And uh, they're also poisonous, which is not good. We learned that they're poisonous through uh, Uzui, who got uh, necked. And he's like, idiot, I'm a shinobi. I'm immune to poisons. Since we just read Spy X Family, I was, I like, was just going to say that. <laughs> I was just going to say you're as proud. <laughs> I'm fully ready to believe this. <laughs> he spent years building up an immunity to lidocaine. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, this is, uh, as we said, there's probably a lot to to skip over that it's kind of hard to talk about in a podcast it, context. Like, um, if, you, of- if you like uh, circular drawn black blades that take up most of a page, man, is there a lot of good pages for you here because uh, mm-hmm. Q's fighting style is he is surrounded by a cyclone of blades and 
He does that a lot. <laughs> While it is cool and it is dangerous, it is a lot. They focus they focus more on the protagonists fighting than the villains fighting. And the the big thing and sort of the reason why it's a bit hard to uh, talk about in a podcast context is there's a lot of swapping back and forth of uh, perspectives because of it, perspectives it, and who's fighting who because um like at first it's it's Tengen and Tanjiro versus Kitaro and then Inosuke and Zenitsu against uh Daki but that mm -hmm. flips multiple times and it's it's mm -hmm. easy to keep track of in the context of reading it but explaining it's kind of tough yeah it, it does break down into Tanjiro and Uzui versus Kitaro Inosuke and Zenitsu versus Daki and the wives are evacuating the civilians because Oh boy, this might be the most destructive demon fight we've had yet. And the last one was involved derailing a train. I was about to yeah. say, the other one derailed a train. I think that one wins. Well, I mean, this did is it, the did middle it level of, like, a, a city block? Yeah, this is in the middle where there's like blatantly populated. Like, that's sort of the point. It's close and it shouldn't be. Um, uh -huh. The other cool thing is that Tengen's wives are actually uh, they're they're making a point of staying at a distance, but they're also still supporting the fight because they're uh, throwing wisteria tipped kunai at the demons, which mm -hmm. like, again, make me endeared to these characters even more. Oh, God, is one of them going to die? I'm very scared. Yeah, yeah Jacob, you're kind of burying the lead there. You said throwing. They have a uh, kunai machine gun. <laughs> do, yeah, one a of kunai them. cannon. It's like a set of boxes like a huacha or something and they're being launched. It's it's like something out of a Naruto uh, movie. Like I think that's on purpose actually. I I know that. I know the Naruto movie. <laughs> that, that ends with the gun. kunai machine gun. Yeah. This wisteria poison on these kunai uh, uh strong enough to completely paralyze a lesser demon. It could even have one of the lower six uh severely crippled for uh over a minute. Um, Pretty it don't do Jack to Gyutaro. Mm -hmm. No, it takes it. The first time he's hit with one, it basically does nothing. It doesn't do nothing. It it really heavily slows his regeneration, which, as demonstrated in the Akaza fight, is one of the biggest benefits that the that the demons, that the demons have. have. Yeah, it's actually the funny thing is there is a parallel drawn between um, the Hashira and the Kizuki in that the first time that Gutaro is hit by one of these uh, Wisteria, uh, it slows him slightly, but only so much that the master Hashira is able to notice. It doesn't look like it's done anything, but the more times he gets hit by them, the more it affects it and Tengen claimed that he was immune to the poison he's not he's just really powerful and therefore highly resistant to it so both of them are mm -hmm. getting worn down because this fight is dragging out for so long which really yeah. did a good job of ratcheting up the tension and making it a page turner in my opinion same big agree so this fight is happening for a while uh at one point in the wave of the fight it's like we have to decapitate them both at the same time or or we could just decapitate one of them and run away with the head. Yeah, which is uh, what ends up happening is Gutaro and Tengen are 1v1ing for a bit. Uh, our three boys, our lads, all go in for a super rad team attack move to rip Daki's head off. And then Inosuke's like, ha ha, I got your head. I'm running now. No one can stop Lord Inosuke. I've been stabbed. Yeah. Uh, well, check, check the Twitter. Uh, I had a meme I shared with uh, Jay when I was reading this. That's probably inappropriate. It's appropriate. Honestly, 
the way that they get out of this, because like I'm sitting here like, strictly speaking, Inosuke is a character that could get killed. I don't think they're going to kill Inosuke. Are th is there going to be a way out of this? There is. And um, there is. I was fine with it's, it. I can understand if this was a bridge too far for Matt, which is, I think, where it's, it's going. It's very dumb. It's very, <laughs> very, very dumb because Inosuke, after getting stabbed through the heart, goes, I had the ability to rearrange my organs. The only way I'm rectifying this is not complete bullshit is I think Inosuke is just full of shit and got lucky that it didn't stab him through the heart and is lying about everything he says he can do. That seems very I, likely. I, How? I believe that. I believe him. <laughs> he does say he's also immune to poison from living on the mountains while coughing up blood from the poison. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because it was Kyotaro that stabbed him. Yeah, I enjoyed this moment, I, but like if anyone were to tell me that this was stupid and it took me out of the moment, I'd be like, personally, I disagree, but your opinion is extremely valid because that is as dumb as it gets before it completely breaks. I am of mixed opinions about this because uh, this is a Darkest Hours turn moment. Oh, where, it really is. Uh, the, the reason that Gyutaro was able to get that stab in on Inosuke, as Tanjiro, he's like, wasn't wasn't Tengen fighting him? And he looks over, Tengen is on the ground, a hand not where it's supposed to be, and it looks like he's really dead. And so Inosuke gets stabbed, supposedly through the heart. This might have been when they were swapping opponents around, but there was one moment I wanted to mention because now it looks like Tengen's died. Earlier on, the wife who had faked being sick ended up coming in and helping too, which is part of where the whole... She shot the kunai, yeah. Yutaro gets, gets his hands on her and almost uh, turns her head. There's no narrative reason that she would have any plot armor, so it was a very... Ex it was a very tense sequence for me because I really like them and they and she made it <laughs> like I was very happy about that. She made it because Tanjiro learned MMA with sword techniques. <laughs> <laughs> he makes the Hinokami Kagura and water breathing. But and he's like, oh, wait, this is probably how the breathing styles developed. Neat. I did like that. I did like that. Uh, he's like hybridizing the derived forms with the original form. Like that was really cool. Mm hmm. Yes. Thinking about that later, back to the fight. Because <laughs> the main the main thing is he's going through that whole thing earlier where he said his body is incompatible with um, the water technique. But then he's also like, that's what the real point of I am not the chosen one was. His body's also incompatible with the fire technique. Like he wasn't born with the special snowflake um, curse power, mark, which debatable because he does get the special snowflake curse mark. But, you know, whatever. <laughs> you are the chosen one. How many times do we have to beat you over the head with it? A lot. His head's very hard. This I is know. well established. <laughs> sort of the big thing about that is um, it's someone chosen by destiny or someone who makes their own destiny is where it, it is this version of, you know, why mm -hmm. the protagonist is special. And I will always prefer that. That's yeah. that's why I have way higher tolerance for and even appreciation of the way it's going. Getting back to what happened in the Darkest Hour turn, Uzui seems to be dead. Inosuke is dead. Uh, Gitaro even mentions that uh, uh, Tengen's heart has stopped. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, there, there's a big demonic apocalypse attack. Zenitsu's thrown through a wall. Tanjiro is knocked out. And he's having a bit of a self-guilt moment of, I'm sorry, I wasn't strong enough. And in a moment where I'm not sure if it was 
actually Nezuko like spiritually projecting to him or just a memory or an idea of Nezuko. I don't but know, basically, but I love that scene where, you know, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's them on the mountain they grew up in, in the snow, as it always is. And uh, Nezuko is like, Tanjiro, you really need to stop apologizing. Yeah, we're poor. We were poor. We all worked our hardest and we were still poor. Sometimes that's just the way it is. The important thing is we worked as hard as we could. You need to stop apologizing. You need to get up and keep doing until you can't anymore. Woo! I love that scene. I love that scene too. I really <laughs> hope that it was act I really hope that it was actually a mind link thing because sure it's more mystic bullshit, but it's Nezuko uh having dialogue in the plot and being awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Matt's a uh, piece of textual evidence saying that it's probably actually ghost shenanigans because the narrator isn't saying otherwise is pretty strong evidence that it is like spiritual projection, but they haven't explained mm -hmm. yet and they probably never will. <laughs> Tanjiro wakes up uh, Gyotaro's crouching over him and doing a whole lot of gloating as any good villain is wont to do. Yeah, like, hey, I could have won this, but I decided to not because I wanted to know what's up with you. And I'm like, buddy, stop. Look, look, kid, I like broken, pathetic things. I'm one of them, too. It's okay. You're you're just a complete worthless sack who couldn't do the most basic thing of protecting your sister, and now you're going to die painfully for it. That really hurts, doesn't it? I hope it hurts. I Hey, are you are you projecting onto me? Because I'm I'm got a kind of a yeah. vibe that you're projecting here, <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, looking up, uh, looking up at the sky, so your tears don't fall. And Tanjiro, you know, looking up at the sky, says, "I've waited for this moment," and uses <laughs> the Kamado family technique of the headbutt, which was actually a distraction because he grabbed one of the Wisteria Kunai and stabbed him with it. Which is a great moment for Tanjiro. The villain being arrogant and not finishing the good guys off. Again, this Kizuki has defeated multiple Hashira and been doing this for hundreds of years. This kind of arrogance is... And we learn he's a sadist. He's a sadist. This kind of arrogance is to be expected. It is a well-used trope, but, you know, tropes are tools, so... So, uh, Tanjiro manages to paralyze him for the uh, important second with the Wisteria knife pulls his sword, uh, slices him in the neck, and Gyu's just like, how does he still have the willpower to try and defeat me? And it's it's that on a shot of Tanjiro's grit teeth and wide eyes. And, and gnarled fingers can, because his fingers yeah, had been snapped. Contender for a second favorite panel in this reading. <laughs> but uh, Tanjiro still is not strong enough to cut through his necks. So uh, good thing those Darkest Hours didn't mean anything. The gang's alive. Hooray! I'm just going to say it right now. As much as I am happy that all of the boys are still alive, I gotta go and say, you're kind of a coward for not doing it, Gotouge-sensei. <laughs> yeah. I, I gotta say this fight had a real big, like, Senzu Beam problem with me, because I'm like... You, you did a lot of effort to say people are at their like last rope and then they come back into the fight at what seems like full power. And that happens with multiple characters. Like it happens with the villains. It happens with the heroes. It happens with everyone. And like by the end of this fight, I'm like, OK, this person has had two second wins. That's they're called second wins mm -hmm. for a reason. Mm -hmm. It's not second and third. As someone who was once upon a time an athlete, not anymore, <laughs> but uh I, I do know the ebb and flow of adrenaline is a real thing, but this is taking it 
too far in my opinion so, though i did enjoy it uh, like my perspective is i personally thought that like the excuses for why people went down and got back up for the most part good my problem was twofold and they like i you know i've been saying they pushed it as far as they could go without taking it too far it never broke for me personally and if someone felt it went too far i wouldn't say you're wrong i just disagree the two that were the the worst for me were because like when um tengen went down he expressly says that he was playing possum because he knew he was at the end of his rope he needed to you know gather himself before he could be useful again so that one's fine zenitsu being stuck it, under rubble and getting out of he that. doesn't even have he doesn't even have a stand to reach into his chest and hold his own heart <laughs> But um, and then there's like Zenitsu was under rubble. The way that Inosuke got stabbed, it did a good job of making me wonder if they were actually going to kill off a beloved character. Feel like that was that was the one that stretched me the most. And then um, there's a bit where Tanjiro gets a sickle in the jaw. <laughs> yeah, he does. And he gets a sickle to the jaw. And like the thing about it is that's not physically debilitating. It's your jaw. It's not like a fatal point, but like he should have a scar there. And I don't think they're going to change his character design to reflect that. Well, we also never see the underside of his chin ju just to play devil's advocate. We see the blade coming out from under his tongue. Well, I, I know, I know, I know, I know. poison blood, Jacob. It can do whatever it needs no. to do. Shut up and let me finish my point. <laughs> we never see under Tanjiro's chin in his character design. Usually we never get like a... A down shot, yeah. That, that's what I'm getting at. Mm. It, if, if... We get one of those and we see the scar. That would be a good attention to detail. And I'm totally about it. Yeah. Uh, the the thing that I focused on was this was another callback to the Mukin train arc, because while admittedly, this one is a lot more bullshit <laughs> because I don't know how Tanjiro flexed his jaw muscles to keep the blade in in order to hold Gyutaro there. He did the same thing that Rengoku did with Akaza. And held him in place. Yeah, held him in place with raw determination. Where I'm coming from is there like there is a running joke in Jojo's Bizarre Adventure that the characters in one chapter will get these like hideously grievous wounds. And by the next chapter, which is two hours later, there's not a mark on their body. And that's a joke mm -hmm. because it's dumb. Jotaro gets set on fire at one point. And like Demon Slayer, please don't have no one have a mark from this after the end of it because like i'm on your side this was all awesome but i want to keep liking you it, it that's that's sort of the thing that's why i say like if someone says that they don't like this like i feel matt is trying to point out that's a fair assessment i thought it was entertaining and interesting that's why i say i'm on board with it but it's right on the line before it goes too far for me i don't know i mean i understand the continuity aspect from it but it's just like i think that for me at least it's just a difference of preference for genre mm, yeah or medium. Exactly. for instance if i'm reading a novel i would be more headstrong and like i need there to be continuity of wounds or bodily ailments but if mm. it's a manga where I where I go to like escape all that, I don't care. This is why I don't ask Jay to beta read my novels. <laughs> <laughs> there better be continuity. I will go back and make sure. Hey, I thought in chapter like three they had this scar that was present. <laughs> yeah, they got stabbed in the side in that one chapter. Yeah. 
admittedly for nobody being dead despite the darkest hour moment i'm still a little salty about it but not really uh it does have a lot of cool moments uh at the very least uh tengen lost a whole ass hand uh zenitsu reveals uh his next iteration of uh thunderclap and flash We've gone to sixfold. We've gone to eightfold. Now, godlike speed, where he moves so quickly that he is well. He was already invisible to the naked eye, but he he approaches divine speed. He goes from invisible to people to invisible to Kizuki, which is a step up. Yeah, his semi-conscious sleep narration is like, I can only do this once before my legs basically give out on me for a week. So I really hope this works. And then, and then Inosuke is like, ha Lord Inosuke can contort his internal organs. I will help you, yellow boy. I'm immune to poison as he's spitting blood from dying from the poison. Returning to the uh, battle lines that I had said earlier, uh, both of the Kizuki uh, both halves of this one Kizuki yeah. are beheaded and their heads fly into the air in a very beautiful two page spread. They land and they roll to look each other in the it, eye like what the it, fuck just happened. They land really far away, too, is the funny bit. <laughs> Yeah, there's two two page spreads, one of one of them going down, the other of the other going down. And they mm -hmm. just happen to be right across from each other, staring each other in the eyes. I understand the whole like nobody died in this darkest hour moment, but this kind of goes back to um, what I mentioned with these guys kind of deserve a win at this point. And Ahashira is retiring at this point. We'll get into uh, some words about that. But Ahashira is basically, you know, out of action now is, you know, one of the important bits. So it's like it's not like there was absolutely no sacrifice, but like this is like it was so painful what happened last time. This is our heroes bouncing back. And I was really happy uh, Tengen and his wives survive. There wasn't any like side character uh, that had to die. And, you know, it's There's like there's no mourning. They don't oh. have to go back and mourn the loss of one of their guys. Guys, we're missing the best part, though, is Tengen is dying. He's on his deathbed, and his All wives right. are arguing to the point that he's about to say his last words and be flashy and cool, but they are arguing to the point that his tongue freezes up. He's like, am I going to die without being able to say anything cool? My wives talked over my deathbed? <laughs> it was really funny. Uh, at which point we get Nezuko has been uh, using her blood demon art. Her flames can expel the poison. Because we get established by one of the Kizuki, uh, Daki, Daki, when she's fighting. Yeah. She goes, ah, oh, her blood demon creates a fire that only burns demons. And I'm just like, I guess that tracks. Okay. Yes. But that's an internal monologue that she says to Nezuko. And I'm like, okay. I don't know how she knew that because we've not seen Nezuko bleed on anyone but demons or demon yeah, paraphernalia. And, and and Daki has an internal monologue about that. And then Nezuko's just like, well, I'm going to light a Nosuke on fire. And <laughs> Sanjo's like, what? And everyone's like, what? I mean, I guess Nezuko, like, inherently understanding how her own powers work is is sort of the reason why I let that slide, because that is a that is a shifty eyes moment at the least. It's a funny moment. I'm not really. Yeah. It's yeah, it, I don't know. It, it's mostly for the comedy beat of why are you lighting him on fire? He's not dead yet. Oh, no, you just burned away the demon poison. <laughs> it's too cool. early to cremate him. That was a really good line. <laughs> I loved that so much. It was so funny. And like after such a hard fight that was so 
brutal. They all make it out to the other side. The tension was released. It was so satisfying. There was a there was a catharsis to it that I really enjoyed. Yeah, again, that's why I, I that's why I'm not fully saying I'm mad about no one dying. <laughs> yeah, it was satisfying. Uh, <laughs> Tengen's like, uh, so I'm missing a hand and an eye. And um, my body is really screwed up at this point. You know how how uh, we were talking about maybe retiring? Let's do that, <laughs> which yeah. he deserves it. Yeah, <laughs> on but, saying uh, that, that summons from the ether, the snake usher. <laughs> yeah, Johnny Snake Shoulders so shows up and says, I don't care. Get back in there. We're already <laughs> down one, Hashira. You don't retire. You just you just die. Keep going until you die. But that actually made me think about something interesting. Because the demons are always talking about how they're so much better because they never age. But how long does it take for a demon to get as powerful as a Kizuki? Don't they talk about that? Like in the standoff between um, Rangiku? Rengoku. That Kizuki was saying it like it was an advantage. But the thing that I'm pointing out is losing a Hashira absolutely sucks because it takes half a lifetime to get one of those. But to get a Kizuki takes hundreds of years because, you know, like the protagonists are coming together and like there's even an explicit note made of this. The tide is turning because when a Hashira dies, it's a tragedy and a bad thing. When a Kizuki dies, that's serious. Mm-hmm. That's a crack in the armor that can lead to the destruction of the demons as a whole. Mm-hmm. Which is mm-hmm. uh, probably a great segue into we get the cut to... um. The Infinite Palace. Yeah, where uh, Kizuki has died. So all the, um, I guess they're the upper Kizuki. They're also the only Kizuki. The only Kizuki now, yeah. It's such a... I I love how the series is very explicitly accelerated because it framed it like uh, Tanjiro wasn't going to, like, get to any of the Kizuki until, like, three seasons in. And then they're like... No, that's what a, that's what previous shonen have done, and people have complained about that. Let's actually have the plot happen. <laughs> so now we're on the upper Kizuki. Yeah, the important thing is that the uh, as was stated previously, the upper Kizuki ranks haven't changed in a hundred years, and specifically one hundred and thirteen, as we learn here. And now Daki's dead. So <laughs> Muzan's brought them all in to say, "Why do you all suck so bad?" Well, I have information for you that you might like. Shut up. Shut I up. don't need your information. I'm going to kill you now, but not really. I just ripped off your head, but I was very confused reading that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, me too. I will say this kind of goes in line with why it's like it's a razor margin of what happened to Inosuke. There are multiple places where demons get their heads cut off and it doesn't kill them. And it's like, isn't that supposed to be the thing that ends no, them? It, it has to be a wisteria blade. Or the Sunblade. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Okay, yeah, that's true. Because of the natural power creep, we're starting to get to places where, like, people are starting to have to use gimmicks. Well, I mean, like, that was the whole thing with Spider Mountain, was um, Spider-Boy cut his own head off before Tanjiro could. Yeah, yeah, and it's like, that's becoming more and more common, and it's like, that's the nature of how shonens work, and shonen is my, like, it's my genre, it's my jam. So it's one of those ones where I'm watching you, but... (laughs) Jacob, don't get me started on how many times they cut off the head, and then it was stuck in the obi, and then they proceeded to just keep cutting the obi harder until eventually they cut through it it's part and parcel with the genre and you know this is you know a review and critique format so i have to point out where it's stretching stretching things i'm also going to point out that i'm fine with it but you know (laughs) 
It's anyway, a thing that this this genre does. Lord Muzin has called the six remaining keys or the five remaining keys. Yeah, the five. Mm-hmm. Yep. So uh-huh. um, and essentially it it's supposed to be a meeting about what they're doing, but it literally just turns into Lord Muzin yelling at all of them. He asks, why have you not found me the blue lily or something else? I guess the blue lily is important. Um, yeah, the first time we're hearing anything really. about it. I thought that one Kizuki was going to tell him something about it, but he ripped that dude's head off. He's like, I already know one of the Kizuki is dead. I'm like, didn't you call this meeting? I doubt that's what he was going to say. Like, I, Again, it's Muzan being a petty child. Yeah, he's a yes. man child. I, I understand he's being a petty child, the character. I'm saying I was also confused what was going on in this scene because like... <laughs> What I'm just he saying, saying he's like setting himself up for a rebellion because you're a petulant child and you're making it very evident well, that you're a petulant child. They can't rebel because he I at know. any point could snap his fingers and their blood kills them. Um, I know, but oh. I'm just saying it's just so obvious. We missed my favorite part. Tanjiro right. actually picked up some demon blood and gave it to the invisible cat that oh, is always right. following yeah! Because because of what was mentioned last time, I I noticed that part where it's like, yay, he to do the thing. That stupid invisible cat is my favorite part of Demon Slayer's <laughs> universe. <laughs> <laughs> he got the he got the blood from the upper Kizuki and he gave it to the Quest cat. Item. And, the cat's like, and the cat's like, meow. <laughs> quest item get <laughs> anyway the the main thing that comes out from the meeting with lord muzin is I, it's essentially just showing off who the remaining kizuki are is really <laughs> all it is because we don't get any information other than the blue lily and the other thing he's looking for mm-hmm. um and like the one takeaway though is we get revealed that the number one kizuki is a dude with six eyes who looks exactly like tanjiro's dad uh-huh. except we then get a flashback where it reveals we actually didn't know what Tanjiro's dad looked like because he looks exactly like Tanjiro. <laughs> I mean, family resemblance. It, it's similar, but like whenever we've seen Tanjiro's dad, he's always explicitly had his face covered or not vi- vi- viewed. But mm. like when we see Tanjiro, he's got just exactly well, Tanjiro's face. And you're like, oh, wait, is this guy we've thought Tanjiro's dad hasn't been Tanjiro's dad? He's been the first Kizuki. But no. Um, the first Kizuki meets with Tanjiro's dad when he yeah. was, you know, younger and healthier. Also, by the way, given what we saw of the battle with Tanjiro and Daki, I uh, I fully believe that Tanjiro's dad practiced the Hinokami Kagura and fought the hell out of Muzan, but pushed himself too far, started hacking up blood, managed to escape, and that's why he was so sickly in mm. Tanjiro's backstory. Oh, I, I thought that dude was like just checking in. On, I, I thought like the whole thing with whenever we've seen a vision of Tanjiro's dad in the past, it doesn't match up with how he looks in that flashback. Like it, the, yeah. the like well, ghosts of Tanjiro's dad we've been seeing look a hell of a lot more like the first Kizuki. Well, the, I mean, the, I thought because I went back and forth, like literally freaking out the same, because I thought the same, but I mean, their their patterns on their kimono are different. Their hairstyles are slightly different. They're leaving this intentionally vague. So like that's that's sort of the important part because they're actually, by giving more information, obscuring the truth. So the earrings are belong originally to the guy who is uh, the first Kizuki. But the thing is, it's very heavily implied that the first Kizuki was originally a demon slayer who taught Tanjiro's father the Hinokame Kagura. 
And some of the stuff that we've seen of like flashbacks of Tanjiro's dad are blending between the person who taught Tanjiro's father, the Hinokame Kagura, who Tanjiro may have some subconscious memories of and his actual father, which is why it's hard to tell who's who. Another important thing is that Tanjiro's dad in all of the flashbacks was very sickly. Like he was old. He was wrinkly. He was vomiting blood. Vomiting blood. He'd clearly been sedentary for a long time. The only time he was okay was when he was performing the Hinokame Kagura dance. And he, very much intentionally not clear exactly what's going mm-hmm. on. So the first Kizuki was either a relative of Tanjiro's dad or his sword teacher or something along those lines. Pretty clear is that he saved the family. Whether or not they're actually related is sort of hard to say. We haven't gotten any information on that. But um, like, like t- a- timeline wise is the thing like we know that he's been the Kizuki longer than Tanjiro's dad has been alive. Like, because within 100 years, he taught him. If you're saying that he taught him swordsmanship while also being a Kizuki. That's true. That's interesting because the Kizuki mm. hasn't changed in 100 years. Uh, that's so, why I'm thinking well, like well, look, he's an ancestor look, who's just keeping yeah. an eye on his family. That's also mm. possible. Yeah. I mean, looking at the Rengoku line, family resemblance is very powerful in this universe. <laughs> that is also true. Um, one other bit of information that um, we get, and it's it's interwoven with the infinite palace bit. But we see uh, the the master of the Demon Slayer Corps, and he mentions that um, when he's talking about how you know, one of the Kizuki being defeated um, means that in this generation we may defeat Muzan, and he talks about how his clan's shame will finally be wiped away. So we get that mm-hmm. we get a little nugget of information about uh, the connection between Muzan and the head of the Demon Slayer Corps as well. Yeah, and and his scar has his weird scarification has noticeably progressed, mm-hmm. and we also got a flashback uh, from Tengen uh, showing the master who very much unscarred. Well, anyway, uh, we That's get revealed reason. that after that, Tanjiro has been unconscious for two months. <laughs> Which yeah. honestly, fair. That's that makes sense. Honestly, same. Yep. And uh, Tanjiro wakes up and he's like, wow, is it a coma for two months? That's some I need to do a whole lot of rehabilitative training now. And that's the end of our reading. And uh, so, yeah, uh, favorite character, everybody. Uh, it's honestly hard for me to say. It's a tough ask. <laughs> All one of our four principal protagonists were really, really good. But I think ultimately I have to say Zenitsu. That would he- be the wrong answer. <laughs> I am I'm fine to be wrong. He, he was he was funny. He had uh, at least in the interpretation Jake and I share. He had a lot of growth. Uh, the thunderclap and flash godlike speed. I I vibe with that super hard. I love that just conceptually. I really <laughs> like Zenitsu in this. How about you, Jake? So um, in all honesty, um, basically every like character character that was introduced over the course of because like you know muzan reaffirmed why he has been a favorite you know like among the favorite characters for us the like man child aspect of him zenitsu as sam mentioned was great i loved the character development that inosuke got um because he's he's such an easy character to get wrong and the fact that demon slayer has handled him so well i really appreciate tanjiro slipped in my mind in the uh previous arc 
but in this arc i thought he was absolutely on point because and also the uh villains that we got were also pretty freaking good because they didn't really they weren't really particularly engaging villains until a bit that at the end that we kind of glossed over is um i won't belabor the point uh given the time but we get their backstory and that was really well handled and that goes further to the thing i mentioned about tanjiro having a better understanding of the way he needs to handle demons he has sympathy for the pain that they've experienced and for the reason why they made the bad choices that they did. But that doesn't mean that what they're doing is okay. It doesn't mean that they deserve forgiveness. No, they'll never get forgiveness. They made an awful choice and they're, you know, they're, they have to die and they have to burn for it. It's, it's, there's no making up for it, but he still feels empathy for the pain that led them to that place. Yeah, I, I think I like Tondro's reaction to it a lot more than their actual backstory. I felt like their actual backstory was very by the numbers. It, I, I, yeah, that that is fair. I, I was actually going to mention that, too. I think there's a reason we skimmed over it, because it's it's literally just we grew up in the it's, slums. It's like, stock by the numbers, yes. But I have to say, my actual favorite character, and it was really hard because so many other characters, like there were, there were other characters that had more time that were really great, like Inosuke in particular, Tanjiro in particular. But like, and you know, like I loved um, Tengen and his wives were all great characters. But man, Nezuko topped my list again. It wasn't just I loved Nezuko being cute chibi sister, which was amazing because she did that at the end too, and it was adorable and I loved it. Um, it, mm. And it wasn't just that she had a badass moment of, you know, like, hey, I'm here, too. I'm not, you know, I'm not the the mascot anymore. That framing is gone. Thank goodness. I'm, you know, I am as as intended now, which that's cool, too. But I really loved the tension that they built around her losing control because the image of it, because like, like I said, there's no way they're just killing off Nezuko in a random arc. That's just not going to happen. But the image of Tanjiro's sword in her teeth filled me with such a level of dread like her character was oh, yeah. so well handled over the course of this nezuko is definitely my number one but man it was close all right uh jay favorite character Character hands down would have to be inosuke he made yep. me laugh and that's very <laughs> important for me <laughs> yeah inosuke was pretty great throughout this entire reading <laughs> Like I said, Zenitsu, but it is a uh, it was an honestly hard decision. A uh, close second, however, would be Tanjiro, because I look forward to him realizing that he is the main character of this series. And that is OK. Well, considering we got the tagline that he's being recommended for Hashira, I think he's yeah, going to start I know. being more it, protagonist. It's literally if I could be in this in in this universe, I'd be like literally smacking him over the head, getting nowhere, trying to get him like, you are the main character. Oh, oh, my, no. <laughs> my, my favorite. I just remembered my favorite bit with the stupid narrator boxes is during the fight. They go through a long little thing about how um, Tengen is able to visualize battle as if it's a musical score. And it's yeah. like an entire two paragraphs of text explaining this. And it eventually culminates with the fact by the way, because of the poison, he does not have the strength to decapitate Gyo. That relies on Tanjiro. And I'm like, setting up the main character up to bat. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Matt, your favorite character. Um, I mean, I really liked uh, Zenitsu in this. Um, I, I do feel like they did him dirty because I they don't ever say anything about him. Like, if they had at least said that he had, like, reached a higher level, because the narrator box never shies away from explaining what's happening, but... 
Um, uh-huh. Like, I don't know. He's cool in this. He does a lot of great things, especially after Mugen Train. He kind of just played support. He had like a really great fight with Anosuke, even though they, they, they had great teamwork, despite the fact he was unconscious. Uh, I, I mean, best character in this is Tengen. He carries this arc like he he, <laughs> he lets really does. he lets everything happen. The fact he doesn't know what his swords do because he's too strong is hilarious. Um, <laughs> so yes. on brand for him. The fact that he gets to be like this big hulking like force of nature who's super flashy is great, and then like like gets hurt. He loses a hand and an eye by the end of this, and like I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. And uh, now, as is customary with Shonen's, your favorite fight. Uh, I think we need to split some hairs here because the two thirds of this was a fight. Yeah, it's all technically one fight. So which part of the one fight was your favorite? Oh, geez. Um, It's a... I said earlier that I really liked the opening rounds of uh, Tanjiro versus Daki, especially the whole uh, if anger alone could carry you through bit. I adored that. Uh, I also love Nezuko going full rage mode because uh, that was just really uh, compelling character moment of it's like, oh, yay, the main character's winning. Oh, no, she's completely lost it and she's still a bloodthirsty demon. Oh, no, that's bad. It was the Super Saiyan moment if cultural osmosis hadn't ruined the Super Saiyan. Right. <laughs> but um, so I loved those two, but I think. I think it has to be uh, Tanjiro's final stand against uh, Giyu Taro because I'm a massive sucker for, uh, as I've said numerous times on this podcast, I love trickster heroes and Tanjiro, consummate good boy, pulling out a trickster moment with his signature family technique of the headbutt in order to pull off a rad final stand. It's a it is a confluence of the stars. It is everything lining up exactly to make me pop off. So <laughs> that's it for me. Uh, Matt, what about you? Oh, uh, hands down, uh, Inosuke and Zenitsu versus Daki. Like, that's just mm-hmm. fun. Like, they're doing, like, cool techniques. There's, like, amazing, like, art of Zenitsu zipping around. Um, if I remember correctly, it's got a really cool two-page spread of Zen- uh, Inosuke and Zenitsu having, like, a dual attack against oh, her. Yeah. Like, there there's a lot of cool dual attacks in this like it's um i'm really excited to see it animated because like the uh i want to see this in action because there is just cool action it looks it looks great in sequential art and if they can pull it off in animation that will just elevate it even further uh jay favorite fight i was gonna say um the climax leading up to gyutaro and um tanjiro um finally coming to terms with the fact that sibling bonds are important and haha that's not funny to just be a jerk but i have to reflect back on Inosuke and tanjiro's or on Inosuke and zanitsu's back and forth when they were fighting daki because i have so many screenshots from that fight um, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> basically Inosuke saying oh i thought you were just useless that was actually a really good idea you had even though you're asleep but whatever um just the back and forth and i guess maybe more so one-sided character bonding um on that front that was quite enjoyable all right and jacob favorite fight so um i think i think probably the point i'm gonna mention is is probably gonna be uh favorite part of the fight is gonna be obvious for me because i've mentioned it a couple of times at this point it's uh it's the the bit where nezuko is like 
just starting to lose control all the way to where she gets calmed down. Because it's not just great character moments for Nezuko. Like, it's it's reaffirming stuff we already know about Tanjiro, but it's also really great character moments for Tengen. Um, I think a really close second is probably um, the end of Tanjiro's 1v1 with Daki because that's really great moments for Tanjiro in particular. It's, you know, Tanjiro gets to be an incredible badass, and I love seeing that because Tanjiro is really cool and I want him to succeed at things. But just, like, the thing that made me feel the most feels out of everything over the course of it was easily my worry for Nezuko's, you know, like not even physical safety, mental health. I was so worried for yeah. Nezuko's condition and um the imagery used in that section of the fight both when she was you know going full beast mode and beating the crap out of akizaki and also when uh tanjiro was trying to restrain her filled me with such a sense of dread that's not common in a turn your brain off fun shonen series you know demon slayer you know pun entirely intended demon slayer has always had teeth and it's I feel it's really hit its stride in uh, leveraging that for really powerful moments. And that was the big one for me. All right. And uh, would you continue reading? Uh, obvious yes for me, because we got so much uh, setup in this. We got a ton of payoff with seeing how the uh, boys have improved in their training skip. We got so much good fight out of this. Uh, despite the the nigglings that I have brought up in this uh, in this episode, I really enjoyed this, and I love seeing the advancement of the mystery of the world and the interplay of the Demon Slayer core versus Muzan. I want to know more about that history. I am <laughs> I am desperately waiting for the info dump. <laughs> so yeah, I'll keep reading. Uh, Jay, how about you? Oh, absolutely. I have to know more. Exactly. <laughs> also, Inosuke's still here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, Jacob, how about you? Oh, heck yes. This is actually a really interesting one because um, the Mugen Train arc, you know, I was happy about how it turned out, but we all mentioned the pacing problems. It was hard for me to stop reading in this section because the pacing was so much better. I hope that Demon Slayer can keep this kind of timbre because it was really solid this time. And Matt. Uh, I think I'm going to quit Demon Slayer. I'm never going to read it again. No, obviously. <laughs> no, obviously, I'm invested at this point. Like, I'm I think we're over the halfway point for chapters. Is it a so. sunk, sunk fallacy cause? <laughs> it's a sunk cost fallacy. Sunk cost fallacy. I, yes. I, 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 I just want to know what Hashira uh, Tanjiro becomes. And if it's the light Hashira, I will riot. Uh, I will riot in the streets. <laughs> um, <laughs> He's going to be the good boy Hashira. He's the sun Hashira. <laughs> Yep, I'm, I'm sure Tanjiro will do something. But yeah, Zenitsu and Inosuke are both cool, so I want to see what they do. Um, yep. It's like the same reason I want to read more My Hero Academia. The side characters are cool. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and thus ends another episode of the Overmanga Cast. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in again. Make sure to follow us on all of the social medias where we are at Overmanga Cast, uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. I think other ones exist. I, I try not to think about them. Uh, <laughs> Check us out on YouTube. That is a good place to comment on individual episodes, though apparently some of the uh, podcast uh, apps are le uh, letting you do that now. And uh, reviews for the oh, yeah, whole podcast are also greatly appreciated. Rate us five stars on Spotify. <laughs> I, I hear that's a thing that can happen. And uh, yeah, so we will catch you all next week where um, if I'm doing my math right, it has officially been 
one entire year of the over manga cast at this point. It feels like it happened in a flash and took forever at the same time. <laughs> Big agree. So uh, what are we reading next week for our one year anniversary? Well, we got to bring it back where it all began. We're going to read more of uh, One Punch Man chapters. One Punch! <laughs> chapters 78 through 95. And if you are a really pedantic listener, you will notice... Uh, excuse me, Matt, that's only partially one way through an arc. Uh, the Monster Association arc hasn't even ended yet. I'm like, buddy, that arc is over 100 chapters long. We're splitting it into chunks. Uh, we're going to be doing the prologue leading up to it. <laughs> we read 70 chapters last time. You're gonna see, we're not doing that again. You're going to see how far the podcast has come, because hopefully this time there will be, you know, any semblance of structure and it will be. <laughs> a reasonable episode with a reasonable reading amount. So tune in next week for that and good night. Good night, good night everybody. Good night. <laughs>